well, you know, I had cancer. <laughs> and uh, when I had cancer, you know, I, you know, I know you had your problems, but I almost died. Hey everybody, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And this is episode 380. We are again allowed to say numbers. The yes. man for a while was asking us to not use numbers. Oh boy. Because they feared math, the power of math. Mm-hmm. And we said, no. And they went, we don't care. And we went, okay. And then they went, we changed our minds. And we went, good. And so now we're back to numbers. So we're 380. That's how many episodes we've done. That's I, en- how, that's I the enjoy, I actually enjoy math. I didn't enjoy it in school. But I appreciate it more now. I think yeah, it, maybe school is not how to learn math. Well, I feel like the for me, I would have learned math better. I would have had an easier time learning math if it had a if there was a context to what I was learning. And I, what I, I don't mean like you know how can I use this in real life, but no, just a sense of um, uh, what what is this like? Why why is there algebra? Like what is it for? Like mm. what is the idea of it? Why why are we learning calculus? Like what was the idea of calculus? If if it but it had kind of been put into a, a historical context so we could understand why these things developed, I think I would have had an easier time learning because it would have given some sort of framework to what I was doing rather than just this very arbitrary, abstract thing. And, and you know, part of it was my my maturity as a kid. I didn't really I didn't really develop like my math abilities until I was in my twenties. Strangely enough, hmm. like as a kid, as a teenager, it really made no sense to me. I could study really hard for a math test i mean really hard for a math test to get a c minus mm. you know and i would i and that was always very disappointing to me as someone who had an easy time in every other class in school and just kind of walked through school uh what are you doing over there i kind of walked through school knocking things against the mic <laughs> um walk you know it, it was always so disappointing ma- math and it was such a soul killer to me that i really i almost like rejected it you know hmm. to the point where i just sat in class and read novels and the teacher just let me do it because she just gave up you know she's kind of like well, whatever you're gonna pay for this and i did because i never really i didn't get a lot of um i didn't get a lot of of classes that were uh whatever the word is optional classes or you know like besides the besides the core classes because I would have to take math over and over again because mm. I would I would fail it because I was you know not paying attention in class and just you know drawing How many kids or, would you say would be in your uh, class? Oh, probably in the 20s. 20s? Yeah. In the 20-somethings? I just wonder like uh, if uh, if that's the best way I mean it's the only option best way to learn anything <laughs> yes. is like to learn it with 25 other people like yeah. you know in a group. That is the only that is as you say that is And now forget that science now yeah. forget that we're going to go run around the gym. Mm-hmm. Now forget that we're going to do English. Well, don't forget it, but just don't worry about but it right can now. Can you like if you if you were studying math and you're you're let you have no time afterwards to let any of it to sink in? Yeah, you got to immediately go now flush that away. Yeah, now we got to learn biology. Mm-hmm. Now we got to learn something else. Yeah, and like you got that okay, flush it away and try to remember it. Like later on, like if if you if you just looked at any subjects, like you know, th- three to four subjects a day, they were so radically different, and you had to learn so much about them and the study them at the same time. It just feels it feels so strange. It feels like if I don't know, of course you couldn't do this, but it, it would make more sense to me. Is you know, we're just going to learn math for like three weeks. It's just going to be math. We're going to get the math done. Okay. Now 
We're doing some science for three weeks. We're just going to do science so that you actually get this stuff. Yeah. And we're not completely changing the direction of the car in your brain. Like, I can't, I can't think of like any situation you'd be in as an adult where you'd have to radically shift ex- what you're doing, uh, you know, every, every hour or so. No, it's unlikely Process that Process new information. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it is part of, I mean, you do in your life have to go from, from task to task that aren't necessarily connected. But seldom but, so radically different yeah. and seldom each mm-hmm. one involving brand new information yeah. with no time to let it settle and, uh, and, and, and process and sink in. That's, that's the thing to me that's like, uh, that's missing. And of course, cause you don't want to like say, and now we're going to just learn for like half of our class and now let's let it sit in for the, you know, you can't do that. Obviously <laughs> everyone's going to fuck around. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, that's, um, let's digest that. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm studying something, I do need sinking in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, well, I mean, it's, I mean, schools have, Two, two things. The school's doing two things, right? Right. One is teaching you to, de- to a degree. Uh, the other is babysitting you <laughs> so mm. your parents don't have to pay for you to go to, to daycare. Yep. Now, those are the two important things. That's why everyone gets really mad when school has a snow day or there's professional days. They're not upset that the kids aren't in school because it's professional. They're upset that it upsets their their schedules. And how? what do I do with the kids now? Because the school is on. Oh, my God. Is there a professional day every week? You know, that's so... It's it has these kind of two two tasks that it's doing. What you know, socializing and babysitting. Those are the kind of most important things that school should be doing. Everything else is a benefit, I guess. If you like biology, enjoy yourself. If you don't like it, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> just stay here for an hour. I don't know. I don't know if I could have taken the idea of s- sitting for three weeks doing math. That would have been death to me. Hmm. Like at least in a day, like we. I went to Burns. You went to Burns. You. We were on a quarter system. We had a lot of classes in a week. Mm-hmm. We and so there were short classes, and we had a lot of different stuff that we do. But it was so at least like during the day, you you know you get art or band or English for me or social studies for me. Those were the classes I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The other ones were just like a nightmare to me, like just so boring and just went on and on. Oh my god! So at least you got out of that class after an hour and you got to something that you enjoyed. Do you think it made the classes that were boring more boring having the interesting classes next to them? Or of like, oh well, <laughs> yes, I'm sure there was a little bit of that to it for sure. Yeah, this the this you know, hey, contrast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you enjoy that class you're in? Here, go to this class where the teacher's boring, the subject's not not your cup of tea. But it wasn't always that way. I mean, I enjoyed. The thing is, is that the stuff I enjoyed, I enjoyed in, in a kind of a dilettante sort of way. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like totally dedicated to it, but I enjoyed like, I enjoyed like the, the table of the elements. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was really fascinating, but I didn't find it so fascinating that I wanted to like memorize it. I just found it, I thought it was an interesting thing. Here's what bothered me about that was when I saw like the table of elements, it was like, there's a way to memorize this. You're not telling it to us, but I know someone came up with one. It's like an easy way. I'm sure there is. Mm. There's like a there's a there's a like a song or there's a mnemonic device or there's there's some way of doing it. You know, what you could either go, hey, memorize the Great Lakes, or someone could just tell you homes. All right, so here we go. So now we got Huron, Ontario. Yeah, you know, it's just like give me give me give me the way of uh, doing it. And I'm like, you're keeping this from me. You're keeping you're keeping the goods from me. Yeah, just uh, you know. The table of the elements is a good example of where we learned something, but we didn't learn any context to it. Like, like it's fascinating to me, and I don't remember the name of the scientist, but when this, he came up with the idea of the table of the elements, you know, he had he filled in what he knew, 
And he left blank spots because he knew that there should be elements that would go into there. We don't know what we didn't know what those elements were at that time, mm-hmm. but he felt that it, that there. So he left blank parts in the table, and then over time, those blank spots were filled in as we discovered more elements, and we figured, you know, or we figured out the atomic weight of elements where they fit into the into the the table of the elements. And I thought, and I read that a long time ago, and so I'm kind of giving you a very a very uh, you know whatever you call a potted history. It was very simple paraphrase i'm sorry if i left out important facts but but when i read that i thought well that is great that someone you know that the way it works is that you know it's right when it's right that's a that's a great thing about science right is it's right it's wrong when it's wrong and it's right when it's right and when it's right it's so fascinating how that it works like it in that way like Mm -hmm. the bricks all come together or you know whatever that it slides in some joining way and you're like oh that's so interesting but when you learn it in school, no one tells you that part of it. They're just like, here's a thing you need to know. Learn them now, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. You're you a distance this- thing from it. I, I always like think like it's part of you. That's the thing with like when you learn about history. If you got a good teacher, they'll show you how history is connected to what's happening now. Yeah. It's like this isn't just a thing that happened then. Sure. And it's like, oh, these are just crazy people who just did all this crazy stuff and dressed crazy and everything was crazy. Yeah. And it's got no connection to now. If you show like how and this led to this, led to this, led to this, to this, this is where we're here now. Oh, we're all still, this is still a going thing. I'm part of it. Same thing with biology. You know, I think that's, that's a problem with things like, you know, climate change is we don't connect with it. You know, we don't connect. That's nature. That's over there. That's going on over there. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're in it. You're part of it. Yeah. And, you know, aside from the occasional hippie teacher who would let you know, um, <laughs> it's just this other thing. And then also, not only is it over there, it's annoying and I've got to get a grade on it and it bugs me because I got to memorize it and ugh, mad, I'm mad at that polar bear. You know, oh, it's drowning, huh? Yeah. Well, that's fine. Cause you know what? I had to study him and it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. It's like, this is, it's about you. Connect, connect the things to the, the yeah. things. Oh, it's again, it's, you're learning without context. So. No, you're just getting a book and you're memorizing things randomly <laughs> out of a book. Yeah. That don't seem to connect with anything that's in, that's in your life. And, and until you get a teacher that in some way goes, hey, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, uh, then and I mean, it's not always a teacher's fault because the teachers oh, no, have it's a, their fault. They but... have a curriculum that they're required to teach you and they're given a certain amount of time to do it. Sure. So, you know, it might be in their, back of their head they're like oh it'd be fun to do blah 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 but then they're like oh i don't really have time for that because we need to get this 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 that's why special teachers are special and why you remember certain teachers yeah Yeah. for sure yeah 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 that's there you go i don't know how we got on this (laughs) i was saying uh i hate all teachers and damn all teachers oh well i hope you know lisa's a teacher so better oh is that right better walk that back oh okay all right well (laughs) fair enough i i apologize then she's a supplier of many great questions on this show so i appreciate that and uh, that's the thing uh those who can't do teach those who can teach a question Oh, on podcasts there you go that's i believe the saying that's old saying a really old saying so yeah um yeah speaking of that speaking of that is it's um i don't want to i don't know if i want to speak out of school at least a school but it's it's she was saying the other day she was kind of bemoaning the fact that things that she would like to see happen in school and vote like they have to vote on them she votes for no one they never get passed so some hmm. someone there's always some other contingent of teachers who are keeping is it just the teachers going. that do these votes yes yeah okay. yeah i don't think you want students voting for things in school because they would vote for no school mm. people it's i don't think students always have their best interest at, in, at heart 
I remember when I was in grade four, and of course I was pretty young then, but when I was in grade four, we were given an option by the teacher. We could read the book on our own and mm-hmm. do questions on our own. We could read the book on our own and do questions with the teacher. Or we could have the teacher read us this, the book and do questions with the teacher. Well, we all opted for the teacher read us the book and do the questions with us. Because that, really? that was the easiest option. Oh, okay. So, water, you know, water goes downhill, right? Did I regret that the minute it started? Oh, yes, I did. Because I was already reading quite happily on my own, of course. I was in grade four. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just kind of naturally want the easiest thing. You don't want what's good, what's best for you. You just want what's easiest sometimes. And that was what happened there. And it was just a torment to sit there listening to this teacher read to us slowly from this book. Not only that, it was a simpler book too. It wasn't a, you know, if we had chosen one of the other ones, we would have got a more, more advanced book. And oh, it was just so wrong. That class was wrong in every way. That was a terrible class that I was in because this school district had decided they were going to make a class of problem kids and put them all into one class. And you were a problem kid? I was a problem kid because I would read in class. So I wouldn't pay attention. I would I would hide the book in my desk open <laughs> and I would pull it out into my lap and then I would look down and read it while the teacher was teaching us. Yeah. And so I would get in trouble for that, of course. And real bookworm. Naughty boy. So there were there were um me, there were other bookworms in the class, kids who like to read in class were right. in this class. There were girls who were shy. And then there were boys who were hyperactive. So it was a really great combination of wow. of, of crying. Wow. And, oh, oh, so those shy kids got some real out. attention and focus put on them for yeah. being shy. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's, it's really a terrible idea, that class. So uh, I think every kid... You guys are like a breakfast club waiting to happen. Every, well, I think every kid left that, that grade unprepared for the next grade. Like I remember the vice principal had to come in and, and, kind, of, and kind of like like sort of like speed teach us math in order to catch us up on what because we are so far behind as a as a, as a grade mm-hmm. it was a real disaster it was a real mess uh and i, I wasn't a, and i honestly was not a bad kid in class like i didn't you know i didn't talk or anything because i was too busy reading but right. i mean i wasn't like i wasn't oh it wasn't acting out i was just i liked i really really liked to read a lot so you know i would i would take advantage of class time to read you know, this is downtime, right? We're just learning math. I don't just think pull this book out of my desk. <laughs> do, do, do. Uh, yeah. So, like, oh yeah, school is very strange. It can be very destructive sometimes. Well, then we went to English class, and you'd pull out some math, and it's like that guy's just trouble. He just like mixes it up. He just likes a little, a uh, little of both. That's what that guy likes. <laughs> I remember in grade one, the teacher putting an elastic around my my reader so I wouldn't read ahead. So wow. I couldn't take the elastic off, and of course, you know, I was a little little kid, so I was obedient to the. T- yeah. So I didn't. I didn't. So I got read. I could read this far, and then I had to close the book. Like so frustrating. I could already read, so it was like so frustrating that I just couldn't yeah. like read the whole book, and move on to something else. How about if I read the whole book and move on to another book, teacher? Uh, no. Stop here and wait for everyone else. Hmm. I think I think school has improved its improved itself in that way. That I think it's more flexible and and recognizing that students you know have different speeds of learning and you know different development speeds as much as you can it's it's given it has flexibility in that way when we went to school i I think it was much more rote and way less flexible you know and you were kind of trapped you know there's no recognition of your of your personality and what you were doing you know so someone who like me was a gifted learner you just your gift was that you went ahead of everyone then had to wait it's like you're a really fast runner and you're expected to like wait for everyone to catch up with you before yeah. you're allowed to run again. And it's really kind of boring. And that's what, you know, and so that, what that teaches you that school's kind of boring. And then you find like survival things like reading during class time in order to survive the boredom of, of school. 
you know, and I'm speaking as someone who really likes school. I like going to school. I enjoyed being with other kids and I enjoyed playing at lunchtime with them and having recess. And I enjoyed, you know, that, you know, I enjoyed in my grade four class, I enjoyed making, uh, we made um, Bigfoots. We would make them out of paper <laughs> and then we put skis on them and ski them down ski slopes we would attach to the wall. Oh, nice. The teacher didn't think so, but we really uh. enjoyed it. <laughs> we thought it was great. Um, would it damage the walls? No, no, we just tape, we just would like use tape to put them up. Sorry about that, everyone. Sure. We would just use tape and tape, like just tape it to the chalkboard and, right. and, make, and make these kind of long ski slopes. <laughs> that sounds good. Oh, uh, it was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, like I say, at, at that time, I think schools weren't based around the idea of discovering who you were or no. like helping you be who you are. No. You know, it's more. <laughs> I turned off the sound. <laughs> They never taught you how to do that in school. That's the problem. All the computer classes you took and uh, no one tells you how to turn the bell off. It's a zero. Okay. It's a zero-sum gain. Well, we'll see you again in a couple seconds for bell ringing time. All right. <laughs> it's uh, It's actually... Okay, so I'll just read a little bit of this. Oh, sorry. So uh, Mary says, Oh, yeah, also found another stray dog today. A girl, very cute. There you can see her there. Oh, that is a very cute dog. And then uh, she says, she chonk, <laughs> no collar and possibly pregnant. She chonk means uh, she's fat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It's family, family I hope, talk. I hope the dog can't read that. <laughs> family, or family slang. There's nothing more embarrassing than uh, calling a dog pregnant and you realize it's not. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> I got to buy this one a steak. Get, get, that, uh, get that taken care of. Yikes. Real awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And it won't let you know that it's upset. It'll just still remain friendly. Dogs are so passive aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is fine. So when you got to uh, university, uh, that kind of learning structure worked for you fine? That was our college that was uh, better for you? Like just... It was, but by that point, I I was so messed up that I had had my own troubles, you know, like... Mm -hmm. uh, I generally would, it was basically like a wave. I would have like a really good semester and a really terrible semester. A really good semester, a really terrible semester. Did you ever get uh, tested for like attention deficit or any of that business? No, I got tested in in, um, junior high because I I had trouble learning. And they diagnosed me as gifted, as a gifted learner. Mm -hmm. And then that was that because there was nothing they could do about it. (laughs) There was no gifted classes. There was no structure for gifted learners. There's nothing like that. So, you know, like, it's a gift you're not allowed to open. I yeah, like I did really well. Like, I <laughs> but mean, it's a very heavy gift that stops you from doing other things. You just can't open the box and enjoy it. Like sometimes you'd have a teacher who would like momentarily recognize what what you're good at. Like, so we had like um, grade six, we did um, a first aid course, mm-hmm. and we did it at our own speed. So I finished it in like a week, and I was done, and, and I finished it. I wrote the test and aced them all, and I was done. And the teacher's like, "Oh, this is how David learns." So then he would just give me like packages of stuff to do at home. And just to be like, okay, well, just, you know, do it at your own speed and bring it in when you're done. And so I would just speed through all these things and then bring them in. And I really enjoyed that. But when I got to junior high, you didn't have the same teacher all the time. So people didn't know who you were. You just, yeah. would go, you'd, just you'd run through. And so, yeah, it just was back to the same old, same old. And so, yeah, I took a test, I think in grade nine, grade eight or grade nine. And it just said, I was a gift to learn. And I didn't know this. I didn't find this out until I was in my, uh, until Mary, after Mary was born, actually. Because Lisa went at her school was was uh, looking at starting a gifted program there, mm. and so we we're talking about it. And and my mom was there, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you were a gifted learner." <laughs> I was like, "I was." She goes, "Oh yeah, you took that test. Remember those tests you took in, in junior high?" I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, "Yeah, they they said you're a gifted learner." Okay, 
That would have been nice to hear. Yeah, I got told something like that much later on, but in a real vague way from my parents. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was like, you know, oh yeah, your IQ is right up there. With what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, no, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, yeah, I got that, that one but too. By that point, I'd like, yeah. you know, basically left school. You know, I, 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 you checked I, I out. Mean, you checked many, out, yeah. many years since I'd been in school. Yeah. But like, you know, my last couple of years of school, it was just like, goodbye. I will do <laughs> as much as possible, you know, the, the minimum to graduate, yeah. but I'm going to spend as little time in school as, as humanly possible and skip out as much as I can and do yeah. other things because this is nonsense. This is hot nonsense. School was my social club, so I had to be there for, for that part of it. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a couple other social clubs, which were uh, better and, um, <laughs> Um, uh, nicer people so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was good and they knew me in a different capacity and it was just nice being able to go and be a different person and just go oh they know me as this person then I went like yeah you know if I leave school then I don't have to be that person yeah. at all because that person <laughs> l- dies with school that person's gone once yeah. school is gone I was like hmm but then you don't realize that like you will still be friends with some of those people and they will still remember you as that person like oh okay that's, <laughs> you don't get that real total clean break and you know occasionally people will still remember stuff from back then it's like alright that's fine but the majority of people it's like oh you get so many fresh starts in life it is ridiculous it is nice yeah a fresh start is always always good I took advantage of those too mm-hmm. for sure um, like in your say in your new job what what at what point did you feel like comfortable comfortable in it like with the people that you were around how long did did that take like a week or two or no probably a week yeah not that long I'm pretty I'm pretty easy to I'm pretty easy I can it's weird like I do have social anxiety about some things but most of my social anxiety is like timidity mm-hmm. like I'm or diffidence you know I'm like I don't like pushing myself on people and stuff like so like I know that you don't like talking on the phone. Yeah, I actually don't mind talking on the phone. What I don't like is calling people because I fe- I'm afraid I'm interrupting them. Sure, and that and then that makes you me are. Nervous. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Thank. Oh, thanks a lot. No, it's true. Uh, so like I don't mind calling a business because they expect me to call them. They're a business, but I don't like I don't like calling a friend because then I feel like I'm interrupting them. Like I wake them up or they're in the bath or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just start it's just creating a, all these it's weird... It's such a weird... Uh, it's such a weird idea. Like remembering back when I was like, I'd hear a phone ring and go, <gasps> and they'll be yeah. like, oh, this is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still feel that way. I don't mind people calling me because mm-hmm. they're they're not interrupting me. I'm not. I don't. I don't do anything. I'm just at home. Just the other day, I had a business call, and it was like a very important business call. Yeah. And I was like, how do I answer this? Like, I was just like, what do I say? Yeah. Hello. Like, you just don't want to be like that, right? So it's like, hello. Like, you don't want to seem like mm. I'm questioning this. Yeah. Because because they know that it's got call ID. I know who they are. So it's it's not the old thing of picking up the phone and just going hello. Yeah. As in, you're going to now supply me with information and let me know who you are. Yeah. I don't know who this is, friend. Yeah. You know, it's like, hello. That's why, they, like, that's why they invented the word hello for the oh, phone, right? It's just awful. Because it's a neutral, it's a neutral yeah. term. Because I was thinking about letters. And I was thinking about when letters came in as new technology, how people, how people had to, to, to work that out, too. And you think of letters as having these very elaborate sign-offs, you know, mm-hmm. like even when we did it, yours truly or sincerely yours. Oh, that's still But even weird. like more, like if you go back in the past where it's like, I am, sir, your obedient servant, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's so, it's so formal. And yet that was an established thing in order to create what must have felt like a disconnected technology, the letter, because you yeah. weren't speaking to someone. I don't feel like when I'm paying a phone bill, I should write sincerely. I'm not really being sincere. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no. just like, you know, uh, mandatorily. Sure. You know, it's just like, okay, we good? <laughs> like anything, I'm just like, there's your dough. 
We don't, yet, we don't need to have a relationship. And yet, let take it, business, my money. Business take it, letters. Take my money. Just take it and sure, give me sure. give me my cable or phone or whatever. But think about let it. Me talk. Business letters had a had a form. Sure. That was you know, dear sir, dear madam. They're not, dear they're sir not, or madam. They're not to actually. Whom it may concern. They're not actually dear to you, but you would say that you mm-hmm. know, yours truly at the bottom. It is you know, in all honesty, basically what you're saying. Uh, and it's just it's just curious to me. Like at some point. There must have been the sense of, you know, like the same thing when the phone came in and people were all worried about the phone, how it's going to inter- interrupt our lives and we're not going to have it on a table. We'll have it in a closet away from us. So, and we'll only use it for emergencies. We're not going to just call people. No. This is a special thing. You don't just use it all the time. Yeah. If you want to talk to Jimmy, you walk down the street and talk to Jimmy. You don't need to use a phone. That's right. You can use the party line if you have to. And slowly the phone has become more and more integrated into your life until the point now that we obviously use it all the time for lots right. of different things. But then also, as, like for the younger generation, as uh, they've become more, you've got to stay inside. Uh, we don't trust you outside on yeah, your own. Yeah. Uh, that's become the way of uh, them connecting with the sure, outside. Like sure. I'm obviously, you know, when we were teenagers, you still would talk to your friends for hours so your parents said, knock it off. Um, <laughs> yes, that's true. But, uh, you know, if you're basically housebound, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is it. This yeah. is what you got to do. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, what did we have to talk about for so long on the phone in those days? It's amazing. Sometimes, well, Lisa and I used to talk on the phone when I would work on Saturday nights, and because uh, we didn't get to see each other very often. Do you know what you talk about? School. You talk about, sorry, I, I do want to hear your story, but yeah. I'm just going to go, we talk for like two and a half hours every week at this nonsense. That's true, yeah. That's this, much, this bullshit is basically what you would do on but the phone. But we'd already seen each other at school, like for five yeah. days of the week, and then you phone someone at night, and then you talk for yeah. more time. I guess you didn't always see it, everyone you knew every day. If we had to, we could do another one of these like after this, and it would oh, still yeah. be fine, and there'd be no running out of gas. You're right. Our throats would hurt, but that'd be about it. But anyway, back to you and Lisa. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, so we would sometimes like have silences. like We'd just mm. have points where we wouldn't say anything to each other. and But it felt okay, because we, we, you know, we were talking, so... It's good practice for marriage. I was the reason. I was the reason why her family got rid of their party line. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When I, why, when I met that? Lisa, I, we started going out in '87. Okay. And at that, that time, their parents still had a party line. They still shared a phone line with other people in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And because we spent so much time on the phone, her dad's finally like, "Okay, that's it." We're getting a dedicated line because we cannot be tying up the line all day long with you. So when you were talking, could someone on another just pick up a phone and yeah. just listen to your uh, snuggle talk? Sure. Weird. It's party line. Yeah, I know. But like, can you hear them go, click, click? Yeah. Oh, you could. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So yeah, there's yeah. not just a bunch of creeps just like. <sighs> <laughs> there could be there could be creeps listening in. But we weren't, we weren't really doing a lot yeah. of snuggle talk, but yeah. It was the '80s, you know. <laughs> it was a time for snuggle talk. It was the it was the start of such things. Yeah, no, because everyone would have their own telephone ring. So you might have like ah. you might have like a double ring, or the other person might have a single ring, or just depended. And so you would hear your phone ring. You'd hear your your particular ring, and then you'd pick up the phone. But if it wasn't that ring, then you wouldn't pick up the phone. You'd let you'd let your neighbor answer, or not answer if they weren't home. Again, I like uh, I like Mr. Burns Ahoy Hoy. That just seems like a good thing to say when you pick up the phone. Ahoy, hoy. I think that was an actual. It was. It was yeah. what people used to answer the phone with. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a suggestion of sure. of, of what, you know, because they finally settled on hello as being the, the best one for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they thought. <laughs> Let's take something we're really afraid of, hell, and add an O to the end of it. And that will be the perfect way to greet people on the phone. Hello. <laughs> but it, feel, it feels like to me when I, when I answer the phone, though it is traditional to say hello. Um, again, because we've got call waiting, and especially in this case, 
I was expecting a call from them. Sure. They email me to say we're going to be calling. Okay. They email to say we're calling you five minutes late. Uh, don't worry, we're, we're, I've just got them on the line. I'm going to call you now. So yeah. now we know we're going to call. Yeah. And it just feels like to say hello. It's just a weird thing. It's like walking up to you on the street and going, hello. <laughs> but you right? do say that. But you do say that. You go, hey there or hi there. I don't go, like hello. No, but you... Yeah, I feel like I would say hey there or something. But again, yeah. I don't really know these people either. It's the first time I'm actually talking yeah, to them. Yeah. So I can't be like, hey, I can't do any anything casual. You can say good afternoon. Meh, too, too uh, formal. <laughs> well, good it's, after- a business, it's good a business after- phone call. I know, but it's too, uh, it's you- too formal for a, for a call, call that's going to be me trying to sell them my uh, business. Um, okay. You know, it's just like, good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you for you calling. Say, well, how about you said Ian speaking? Thank you for calling. Uh, yeah, that's, that's close. I can, I can do that. That, that. that I sometimes do. There you go. I Hi, solved, Ian. I solved the riddle for Hi, you. this is Ian is usually what I do. Okay, that's good. Hi, this sounds, is Ian. It sounds good. casual. It's just yeah, like, yeah. okay, I've got uh, Tim on the line as well. <laughs> All right, I've got Tim on the line. Here we go. We're going to do a conference call. And everyone's going to get off and knocking and thing. And phones are nightmares now. <laughs> I'm just like, can I just talk to someone on a landline? Oh, heavens. Sweet heavens. Could I? Could we both be on a nice, solid landline? Are they all sharing the, the, the speakerphone I together? Is what that what they're doing. Bless their hearts. Right. They're all so sweet. It all went great, and it was fine. It <laughs> was just uh, not, uh, not a thing that was a, a good thing that was a good thing. <laughs> there you go. Um, can I? Can I, I I'm going Thank you to, for your vagueness. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm just going to tell you my uh, stresso morning. Um, sure. Stresso morning. The, we had a little thing this week where uh, we're going to Emerald City Comic Con on this weekend, and uh, nice. Pia uh, lost her uh, passports. Oops. So we we were searching for days for them, and finally, uh, our sister in law Vicky, who's amazing, found found them. Okay. Uh, in the literally lastest last place of last last lastness, and then we we, we did. Well, you always it. find things you're looking for in the last place you look. Right, but literally, we've looked at everything else in this house okay. except. Like about a three foot square area in the whole house. <laughs> okay. And she found it in that area. Okay. It was like behind a locked thing that was sealed up that was there. And we had oh. to take a bit of the wall out and it was in there. Seriously. Yeah. It was something that got when we when we first moved in, it was with some other kind of like, you know, uh kind of treasured things. Yeah. Because yeah. it that's where it was kind of mm. kept. It wasn't kept really where it should have been kept, and then uh, and, and then it got placed with a lot of like wedding things and blah blah blah. Okay. blah. You know, put, we yeah. put it in a safe place. Sure, sure. And so it's like been a couple of days of stress, 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 stress. <laughs> anyway, uh, along along with this, I, uh, I I went to the doctor recently, and let me just end with like uh, say everything's generally fine. So, um, but I went to I went to the doctor, and she sent me for you know tests like uh, EKG and blood and whatever, uh, and uh, you know with some some colon stuff, you know that you do um so uh so i do this two days the details you want to hear yeah uh so uh so two so two two days ago i do this yeah and then this morning i get the phone call of just like uh they want you to come in and you don't want that like two days after you've done the thing right yeah now this has happened before where like they the person who is giving the call is making it sound much more urgent than it's going to be okay but again they can't tell you anything because they're just the receptionist yeah so you know, you're getting like, yeah, they'd like you to come in. So, oh, okay. So, should I come in today? Oh, yeah, you could. Or we could just book an appointment for a week from Friday. Like, what? 
Like, should have been a tip off that it's not, but I don't know if they're idiots. Yeah, yeah. And like, this is something that I need to take care of now. I'm not going to want to wait a week from Friday to find out what's wrong. You looked at my blood. There's something about my blood. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, all you can think is cancer, 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 cancer. That's all. Not vampire? What's that? Not vampire. Vampire. That's right. Thinking like they're vampires, it's a trap. So it's, it's just, this is just where my brain immediately goes, where like, I can't focus on anything else until I find out this information. Yeah. So it's, you know, I grab a cab because it's the fastest way down there and it's still a considerable distance. And then you got to do an hour and a half wait in the waiting room and you're just like sitting there and, uh, and then, uh, then, then go in and, and, and again, it's like the, the, the this was the other weird thing was like. Uh, my doctor sent me for for these for these tests. I've got a new doctor. She she uh, you know and 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 so I'm setting her up as like my new family doctor because my old family doctors uh, moved on to other things. Yeah. Um. And uh, I said like, oh, can I see this doctor? Oh, she's not here today. Then I get there and I can clearly see she's here. And I was like, well, that's weird. Anyway, so I go in and there's another woman who uh, comes in and she's like, oh, how are, how are you doing today? And I, as always, I go like, well, you tell me. Um, and so I'm like, all right, let's take a look. And so brings it up on the old computer. And so we're going past the lines where I'm like, let's see if these are okay. And so it's not that. Yeah. And then I get a thing about, you know, uh, what's your what's your family history? And I'm like, I don't know. I've got no idea about my family history. Uh, she's like, uh, okay, well. You didn't you're... say you're 45% Irish? <laughs> yeah. Doi, 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 doi. And uh, 2% Swedish. Don't, don't tell my uh, mother-in-law I'm going to be uh, going to be in some some trouble. Okay. So uh, so let's go through it. And, ba- and, and bottom line is uh, my blood sugar is a little higher than it was. Um, but that's something I can take care of. And then uh, she was talking about cholesterol. And I was saying like, so is the how's the cholesterol? It's like, well, the bad cholesterol is fine. Like it's, it's good numbers on the bad cholesterol. Okay. But your good cholesterol is low. Oh. And, uh, you know, I was asking like, so what do you do to get the good cholesterol up? And she's like, well, it's basically, it's exercising. That's the thing that gets the good cholesterol okay. up. There's some other things, but there we go. And she was like, so, so this is what we were calling you in on. And I, and I, and I was saying to her, okay, it would be nice if when they call, they go, it's not a big deal. They just give you one of those. And like, oh, they're kind of supposed to say that. They, they're supposed to say it's immediate or, you know, at your own. They, they're supposed to say that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And they never do. <laughs> and that gets me here like a bullet. Yeah. So so, there, so there's that. And I'm like, okay, so it's going to be that. And I got to exercise more, which is absolutely fine. I got to get my sugars down. So which is why you're seeing me drinking water and not soda pop right now. Yeah. So it's that. And then she goes like, "Oh, we just got your EKG in. Let's take a look." And uh, and that was where you know she said that there was like a, an irregular heart rate, and oh, okay. uh, we gotta you know just get you checked out by a cardiologist. Now this can be like nothing. This can be like nothing, um, and it's just something something to see. And there's a whole bunch of things, but it just came in the middle of this thing that was like this surprise. Oh wait, and there's this. Yeah. And there was just this feeling of that I. And again, it goes back to this magical thinking, where you feel like. Anytime you feel, hey, things are okay, things are now okay, and I was feeling that earlier this week, and that was when we lost the passports. Okay, and like the whole trip this weekend was going to be screwed up. Yeah, and then it was like, no, we we covered that, and it's fine. It's like, okay, then things are going to be okay, and that's when you get this phone call, and it's like, it's like, no, I can't think that anything's okay. I can't let myself believe anything's okay because that's when this happens, and I know this is bullshit, but even like when I was in the office and I was like, I I, I went like. Oh, well, things are okay. Wait a minute. We're getting a reading in now. We just got some new information right here on the screen. It just popped up in front of me. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. 
what kind of fucking drama? Like, what, what bull fuck shit fuck fuckity fuck fart fart? You know, uh, and 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 again, the the reality of this is, I'm just gonna have to take better care of myself. I gotta exercise more, and that's fine. And I'm 100 percent down with doing that. Checking with a cardiologist, that's fine. I've had to do that in the past, and it's always been fine. Yeah. Um, I've got a weird heartbeat sometimes, and that is just something that I've got. Okay. And again, it's something that people have, and it's 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 all right. And there's other things that can that can cause it, but I gotta find a way around this fucking magical thinking bullshit. <laughs> I really got to. That's your worst problem. My worst problem is yeah, because I can't because I'm connecting these things all together and yeah. like. I can't do a thing where, like, you know, my my wife's saying, you know, when I get this news of just, like, I got to go get my blood checked, uh, I got to go into the doctor, and and she's, uh, you know, oh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's nothing, but I can't hear. I'm sure it's nothing. All I hear is this could be death. This could be death until I hear it's not death. Yeah, that's on the table, and I can't relax at all about this until I find out that's gone. Hmm. And then, and then that was the thing. Like when I was there, and just went, well, now I can relax. That's gone. Wait, aha! No, 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 buddy, buddy, buddy. Yeah. And this also kind of happened with us, you know, about a month and a half ago when you know we got kicked out of the other place, and so that was the big stress. And it was like, all right, uh, we've got to find a place, and we found this place. And it was like, well, we found this place. Okay, so now things are good. We're settled in. Everything. Eh, nope, nope. Here comes taxes around the corner. Mm. We're gonna take everything from you. Absolutely fucking everything. And then we deal with struggle make and then you know immediately like another fucking thing comes along it's just like and 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 i know they're all random and not connected but me as if nothing else a writer or a person with a mental problem has to connect these things together as they're part of a like this big story this continuing story yeah and if like if one thing happens then the other thing goes and if you let yourself feel that things are going well oh buddy you're setting yourself up for it and i think i think this is I think it comes from, you know, when I was a kid and anytime I would feel good about myself, you'd get uh, your parents or grandparents especially going, oh, don't get a swelled head. Don't get, don't get feeling that. Oh, no. Yeah, it was weird. Because then you're setting yourself up, bud. Then there's like, there's these forces around you that the second you start feeling good about yourself or something is, is, things are going well, boom, we're going to like take you, take you down hard. So Canadian. As my mom like, as my mom used to like to say, oh, David, you think you're so smart. Yeah, you're gifted. She knew you were too. Yeah, why was she asking that question? There was a thing. That's funny. I cured myself of magical thinking in a way when I was when I was in school. Actually, speaking of school, I used to think if I thought I did well on a test, I would do badly, and if I thought I did badly on a test, I would do well. Mm. And so I would always say to myself, I would say I first started saying, "Well, I'll think I did badly on the test, so I'll do well." Oh, but now I think I'll do well, so I'm going to do badly. Oh, but now I think I'm going to do badly, so I'm going to do well. Oh. Now I think I can do well, so I can do. You know, it's, it's, it's like you have a poison chalice in front of you, and you keep swapping <laughs> it until you can't remember which one it is. And really, that's that's the end of magic, magical thinking there, because it really does. This is, is a cycle, you know. This the fact that if you say everything's fine, it's going to go badly. Yeah. But now everything's going to go badly, so it's going to be fine. Oh, wait, everything's going to be. But then it becomes, and again, it's, we, I guess we talked a little bit about this. What is scarier, the idea that there isn't any connection to any of these things, or that there, or, or that there is? Like the, of course, it's scary to think like that. There's a like some weird force that, like, if you start feeling too good, it's going to like bring you down. Yeah. And of course not. The universe has other things to do. It's got gravity <laughs> and black holes to deal with, and yeah. it's got other things. It's got yes. to make a bee fly. It's got things to do. I understand. 
on that. But is it then scarier to just go, none of that's real and everything's random and anything can happen at any point and anything can happen at any point. That is the and case. And you can just get the phone call. And the phone call now, it's all done. The horrible things. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like this morning. It felt yeah. like, oh, you got the phone call. This is it. This is where it all just goes, forget it. Nope. Uh, I had plans, huh? Nope. This is where uh, we go. Nope. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get that. And I know enough people that that has happened to. And I've, you know, I've had my own life, you know, radically just change and yeah. and be shoved in a completely different direction, you know, and lost people I loved and and what have you. Uh, and yeah, it's like I guess it, it it still I still fall into the comfort of magical of magical thinking, mm. you know. Well, I wonder if getting cancer kind of cured me of that. Idea chemo of kills that? What's that? Sorry, I think chemo kills magical thinking as well. I don't think chemo kills, but I think it just gives you like a different perspective on 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 happen the happenstance, I guess, because yeah. you know, you know, the way that we want to think about cancer is that you earned it, you deserve it, you smoked, you didn't eat properly, you did right. something, yeah, and you and now you're going to get cancer. This is your comeuppance. For yeah, you, you didn't check enough. Yeah, you that's didn't. that's part of it with me is like, yeah. oh, you didn't check everything all the time constantly. Yeah, eh? yeah. Well, here you go. Look out now. And so and so people, you know, I would people would hear I had cancer and they'd be like, well, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you exercised. You don't deserve this. Yeah, but it's not about deserving. You yeah. don't you don't deserve something. You this happens to you. That's, yeah, don't go to hospice and go, this is justice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no no one deserves what what's happening to them. That's 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 the uh that's I guess one of life's motto is there's no one deserves what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh it's just something that we have to we have to deal with. You know, you have to deal with those things. It's interesting. Uh, I know we've been talking about religion a lot, a lot lately, and I don't want to kill all our listeners with this <laughs> stuff. But um, we're going through Lent at church. Obviously, I'm doing my sugar fast, which is kind of you know, sugar, the sugar fast is sort of like almost like a, a bit of levity to the le- the Lenten season. Like it kind of it kind of it gives shape to it, but in a way, it it gives like a fun shape to it because oh. really Lent isn't a isn't a fun time of year. That's the idea of the 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 church calendar, and our priest at church is is uh doing a series of sermons on different things. The first one was about demons and this Sunday is going to be about death and he's going to talk about doing dis- the D's. Going to talk about despondence. Yeah, and so <laughs> despondence and death yeah, and yeah, demons. Yeah. Hmm. And the demons one was interesting the because disco. <laughs> because the demon one he was talking about Christ in the desert, which we were talking about, and he's talking about the temptations and he's relating them as demons, not as like physical demons, but as you know, mind haunting demons, you know, mm. like sort of things. Like, so, you know, he's talking about like, you know, turning the loaf of bread into, or turning the, the rock into a loaf of bread. So that's a demon of, I don't have enough. I need more. I need more stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a demon that haunts us. The idea of, you know, you could command millions of people. You have that power. That's the demon of, um, will, that's a demon of, uh, you will never amount to anything. Hmm. You were never be remembered. You were nobody. That's the demon of that. Um, throw yourself from this high place and God, God will save you. That's the demon of nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Hmm. I think those are really interesting ways of drawing these sort of parallels into your own life from those stories, you know. Which is, again, what we're talking about, teaching. Mm-hmm. And like the, 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 the person who preaches and, and doesn't connect the book with uh, your life. Yeah. The person that yeah. knows, yeah. And so now I'm... Strangely, I'm really looking forward to what he's going to say about death because I really do. I really like our priest a lot, and I think he's a very good preacher. I like. I really enjoy his sermons. So, 
so yeah, I'm looking forward to to that. I think you know, like when someone can someone can take something and humanize it or make it relevant to you, you know, that's that's a real real skill. Yeah, you know, and the fact that he doesn't write it down, he just talks off the top of his head to us. That's oh, that's sermon. also good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, like he just and then also he'll often be dealing with like well, not so much now because his kids are a little older, but. When he was like a couple of years ago, he'd be dealing with having his kid like hanging off of of his cassock, you know, while he's trying to talk to us, or wanting to be wanting to climb up in his arm, and he'd like so be lifting his kid up and not breaking. Whereas <laughs> I'd be like, oh, what was I saying? I had this idea, and now I can't remember what I was going to talk about. But no, he just does it like this carries on. It's amazing. It's a real skill. But yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. I used to, to see someone do stand up like that. That was Rick Dukeman. And he would okay. like take up his kid and then like just straight arm uh, himself with the kid on the arm with his okay. face like pointing outwards. And he would uh, use him like almost Buster Keaton style with like the heckling <laughs> thing and just like, what's that? <laughs> and just like hold up his kid. Like, it, was, uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good stunt. That is good. Then the kid got big. And, and then you can't, go. can't do anywhere. Then no, you get, can't. Then you get to tendonitis problems. Then you have to hire a little person. And then it's weird. It's like, dress like my child. <laughs> no, this is this is bad for both of us. It's wrong in every way. Wrong in every way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what Lent is about, really, isn't it? It's it's sort of facing the fact that life is hard and it's scary. Yeah. And we have survival. We do things to make it survivable. One thing I didn't mention was, uh, and again, it's just it's an embarrassing thing, is like when I got when I got the uh, the voicemail about the the call. Yeah. Uh, um, I basically like just you know quickly hopped and showered as fast as I could and, ran, and went out the door. And my wife was asking, "Do you want me to come with you?" And I'm like, "No, there's no time. I just want to get this done." And then and then so it's the it's the being calm in the cab, yeah. being calm in the waiting room, being calm with the doctor. Uh, I had to take a bus afterwards, being yeah. calm on the bus, came home and just fucking lost it. Huh. And I lost it in front of my wife. Like I just lost it. Like I was just at the, it, like I did not get tragic news by any means. Yeah. But the emotional journey I had been on today of like being through everything and playing everything through in my mind. Yeah. And then there's a bit of, you know, the frustration with yourself just going, well, I, you know, again, the deserved thing is like, you know, I let myself, you know, get to this state. This is embarrassing. This is humiliating or whatever. But also the magical thinking of like, we can't have anything. Like something will always come to take it. No matter what, there will be a dark hand that will reach down that will just take it away mm-hmm. and take more uh, for, for your arrogance. Just put me in this pit of despair where I was just like on the couch, just weeping and like fucking howling. I was just so fucking low. Yeah. And I had to like say to her at a certain point, I'm still in here. I just want to let you know while this is going on because it was so overtaking me, almost like an outfit that yeah. was that I was wearing. Uh-huh. But I was like in myself still. You know, just going like, I'm in here and I realize that this is bizarre behavior that I'm, but it's it's like this day has been so hard and she had to go off to um, pick up our car that was being repaired. So she had yeah. to, she, 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 so she had to go and I had to prepare for the podcast and I had to do cleaning and some other stuff. Um, and I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. Um, but like, I'm just going to be here shaking for a while. And it just like, it, and, and she was worried about me and I'm, I'm. You know, it's like I'm not embarrassed about it because, like, we can be like however we are with each other, and that's okay. Sure. But it it was like, oh wow, this I didn't see this coming, and it's almost like when you don't think you're going to throw up, and then you throw up, and then you throw up for a long time. Uh, but it was like it was that with emotions, yeah. which is like, oh, this was inside me, huh? And I think it I think it came up not from just this, but just from the months. I think yeah, I was the months say, I think and the months of this. I think and you're it's just like that's enough of that. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think you've had a mounting, and maybe it's good that you had that 
Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. It still feels weird when emotions come out of you faster than you expect or can control. Yeah. Yeah. But we spend so much time tamping down our emotions and denying our emotions that, you know, like sometimes it is better that you just... Like, yeah. It's, it and... was weird to me when I was sitting in the waiting room actually today, just going like, looking at everyone who was around me and just going, well, some of you are getting bad news. Like, <laughs> yeah. Some of you, this is not... Yeah. Like we're all sitting here calmly reading, first of all, why are the magazines so fucking out of date? I don't want to do like a stand-up bit, but like I saw, oh, a New Yorker, that's nice. And it was 2013. How the fuck did this get here? Has it always been here? Yes. Because if so, there's a lot of disease on this. Let's just toss it. Yeah. It was a picture of uh, Obama on it giving medicine to Mitch McConnell. And it was like, what the hell is this? What? How? I'm trying to think, where was I when this came out? That's what's, funny. What's going on? I, I want to say to them, I, I work on this magazine now. You can, I can get you some <laughs> if you need to get some magazines. Well, this is, this is, this is nonsense. But yeah, just going like all these people who have their own journeys who are all sitting here, who are all quietly being polite. And I'm like, yeah, we all are. We're all, we're all doing this. And like, some of us are getting good news. Some of us are getting bad news. Some of us are just getting by. You know, it's like, yeah, it's in- it was just interesting to me that, of course, I still was. You know, most mostly the record I was playing in my head was like all the bad scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Playing my WebMD thing. <laughs> not, not you know, as usual. I don't like to be a cancer bore, but um, again, I think you've invented that name. Probably. I'm gonna look up cancer bore <laughs> while you're talking and to see if there's any person who's ever said. But that. I, you know. I don't know if it's my, I think I also, like, you know, I also, like, put, you know, sort of tamp down my emotions. Like, you know, people around me were crying when I had cancer. You know, they were upset and worried and, and, and stuff. Whereas I was just sort of blithely going through it. In a way, I think that you, you know, I'm do, I'm, uh, denial is a big part of my personality, but also, you know, you, I'm also like strangely optimistic, so it's it's a weird uh, it's a weird combination of of those two uh, absolutely agreeable character traits: mm-hmm. denial and optimism. They just go together <laughs> so well. You know, they're perfect practically. I'm I'm, I'm made for I'm 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 made for not but I'm not made for for stressful situations. And stressful situations, I completely collapse because I can't I can't. Is think, that right? Yeah, I can't think in stress. I fall apart because like my mind shuts down. Hmm. If I have to rush, if there's like hurry involved or whatever, I really don't like it. I have to be. I need like a a slow, you know, whatever. Just you know, it has to be. Let's keep it down to steady, slow and steady pace, everyone. I don't want to rush through this because if I if I, if we rush, then I I'll, I get uh, frustrated. I get I forget things. I'm not I, bad during pressure situations. What bothers me is when someone else is like saying there's no problem while I'm. Going we're going through it just like no things are okay things are good it's like no they're not acknowledge this is a problem and then we can do by the way just on a side note there is no cancer bore Mm. on the whole fucking internet so you have you have originated that the closest thing is cancer borealis which is the jonah crab okay (laughs) that's the name for the jonah crab huh yeah it inhabits waters along the east coast of north america from newfoundland to florida well Um, and that's it I just think that, that the, when I say cancer board, I think it's just, it's a, a, it gives you like this weird kind of hammer, a conversational hammer that you could, if you wanted to, you could bring out almost any time. Sure. And just destroy people around you. Yeah. You know? And so it's I, the shark that swims around us that we're all scared of. <laughs> I try to keep it, I try to keep that hammer in my pocket as much as possible. Thor style. You, what? Uh? Thor, like Thor. Okay. He keeps the hammer next to him. Hmm. He doesn't like 
Well, maybe whips it out. When he he does whip it out whenever he wants. Okay, you know who doesn't use the hammer that often? Okay. Um, maybe use it twice a movie, and it didn't even in the last movie. Ronan. <laughs> Thanks for the Ronan comparison. the Accuser. Yeah. He's got a big hammer. He sure Bigger does. than Thor's hammer. It does. And uh, he, like, smashed one guy's head, and then uh, just it kept it, and then it <laughs> broke. That was it. That was the story of his hammer. Did it break? Yeah. They oh. broke his hammer later. Oh, yeah. He put the he put his jewel, I think, in the hammer, mm. and then they broke the hammer open, and then they grabbed the jewel, and everything was fine. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I've, you know, I haven't seen that movie yet, bunch. So read your Marvel Bible. <laughs> I guess I should get on with that. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading the wrong Bible. Right. Speaking of uh, speaking of that kind of uh, nonsense, um, we uh, we're uh, here's a hint. We're starting up a new podcast. Here's a hint. We're talking about some Marvel stuff in the first episode. <laughs> Uh, we may have a title for it. We're not 100% sure yet. Why do you say that? I, I don't know. Do you think we're, we're yeah, locked yeah, I think, in? Well, All right. I mean, if you like it. I, you I'm like okay. It a title. I, I think I, generally I'm okay with it right now. So why don't you say the title? Uh, we're going to call it The Fansplainers. Yeah, I think it's a good title. Sure. Because I think we're movie fans, movie, yep. movie buffs. So, and we bring we bring a kind of enthusiasm for the movie form to what we talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so this one is called like, Let's fix Captain Marvel. Is <laughs> basically what we did. I yeah. Think. Uh, Those spoilers on it. We both were uh, were okay with Captain Marvel. It was enjoyable, but yeah. thought there were some things that yeah. uh, could have made it better. Ne- needed a fixing. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll you'll hear us uh, talk about that when we put that up there. Um, speaking of other podcasts we're doing, you have one that uh, oh man, like wildfire people. <laughs> The second you put it up, yeah, the comments just come flooding in. People have uh, uh, deep responses. They uh, yeah. they listen to it. They love it. Why don't you tell people what we're talking about? I'm, it's I don't, called Cancer Bore. It's right. It's my new my new podcast. I bring people on and ask them questions, and then I go, "Well, you know, I had cancer, <laughs> and uh, when I had cancer, you know, I, you know, I know you had your problems, but I almost died." Um, it's called yeah. Condescending Cancer Bore. It's a new show, CCB. No, it's called Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. I mm-hmm. do it with my wonderful daughter, Mary. We sit down together. We listen to music. We talk about the songs. We we give you the stories behind the songs. We give you like a little bit of information about the bands. And we tell a lot of dumb jokes to each other. And we have a lot of fun. And we play music. And, it, and we... Is there such a thing as a daughter joke? I know there's dad jokes. Are there daughter jokes? Daughter jokes are jokes that make fun of their, of their dad. That is true. Absolutely. Yeah, that is, that is exactly joke. what a daughter joke is. Well explained. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, what else? You, know, you interrupted my... my you usual. listen to music. You're making me pressure. I can't you think tell anymore. Jokes. I'm under pressure. Uh, yeah, we listen to music, tell jokes. And the newest episode came out yesterday. No, today. Today is... No, yesterday. Yesterday is... <laughs> When it came out, so you can uh, hear episode ten. It just uh, dropped on Wednesday, and don't forget, whenever we finish a mixtape, which we did, we finished uh, Thomas Calloway's. Hi, Thomas. We finished Thomas Calloway's uh, second mixtape. Whenever we finish a mixtape, I always put up a downloadable version of the mixtape that you can download to you for yourself and listen to it as a complete. Uh, like a complete mixtape. Could they record us. it to a cassette themselves and listen to it as They could do that if they wanted to, sure. Nice. Yeah, if you want to do that for the real... I think it might be a little too... Well, no. No, it would be too short for a 45-minute, like a 90-minute cassette. You know what too I, long for a 60-minute cassette. Do you know what I would uh, throw out there? And again, this is Please your show. Throw it's it none there. of my business. It sure isn't. It sure is not. <laughs> except that 
I am part of this business. You are Literally, part of, I am part of this business. You are part of the business. Um, you have a vote. Here's something I would think would yep. might be an interesting thing for listeners who seem to enjoy yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know how a mixtape, uh, back in the day, uh, you'd usually like uh, do something yourself, because you wouldn't have computers, you wouldn't have fancy computers. Yeah. You'd do something yourself with like a little drawing or something mm-hmm. on the cover. Uh-huh. How, about, uh, how about our listeners come up with uh, covers for your uh, mixtapes? Like oh, an appropriate sure. uh, cover, something that would be uh, <laughs> sure, right, like want. with whatever the theme is, yeah, or something yeah. that makes you feel, okay. you know. And then, and let's just see some mixtape covers for mm-hmm. the various mixtapes that you've uh, put together. When I did the mixtapes, I, I I hand wrote all the songs on the cover for them. Okay, so we so got that. that. So that you got like, if you got a mixtape for me when I was, uh, you know, younger, then that's what you would have got for me was a mixtape with all the songs written in two different color pens so the band would the band would be in one color and then the song would be a different color do you remember your yep. first mixtape who was the first person you made a mixtape for was it uh, a lady you were a wooing was it for a friend <laughs> you were sharing music well i did with? make tapes for lisa but i mo- i didn't really make mixtapes for her i would just tape like whole albums for her okay like, she she liked echo and the bunnyman let's say and i so i i went out of my way to get all the echo and the bunnyman albums so then i could record them for her right so i impressed her with my echo and the bunnyman collection Stuff like that. Uh, I mostly made mixtapes for myself, and my early mixtapes were pretty crude because I didn't have like a huge record collection, and so I would do like a lot of repeated artists or a lot, of, you know. And so, like, I, and having listened to those, and I and I kind of found them boring. Even myself, I found mm. them boring. Like I wasn't like totally sold on on my mixtapes at that time, just because of the limit limited number of of artists and stuff available. Because so I didn't have like a big record collection. I think. Like I maybe had in my teens, I maybe had like thirty records or something. Okay, so it wasn't like a big record collection, you know, that you could like draw from a lot of right, like a lot of. I guess there was fairly. Isn't big. that the that's the amount of books you're supposed to have, right? Like thirty books is the amount of books you're supposed to have. I think they're thinking three thousand. Okay, fair enough. Because that's a, a little. Closer. I couldn't remember her name. Marie Kondo. There you go. Did she that's say thirty books? Uh, on display. I mean, on display. Oh, okay. So it's okay if they're down in the basement in two different rooms on Yeah, shelves. but you know, you got a okay. living room, put 30 books up. Your favorite 30 books. Mm. Show show what you're doing. Okay. I, I, I'm projecting at this point. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, don't be like every book I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, no, this is I represents love, me, I would I say. I love how that looks. I love a room with, a, with the bookshelves up to the ceiling and everything. I just assume you pull one and a uh, door opens. It's got to be a hidden door. <laughs> Why? Right? So I'm just like pulling books down, just trying to find the hidden door. <laughs> Making a big mess. Yeah. Uh. It was like, what are you doing? Trying to find the hidden door. There is no hidden door. That's what someone who had a hidden door would say. So you and I know. Yeah. There should be a book that just says, not the hidden door. <laughs> um, now, we have been doing questions uh, every week. We which have. we've been calling Question of the Week. Question of the Week, yes. Right. Though, I don't know how you listen to this podcast. You don't have to listen to it or, weekly. as we have wittily um, shortened it to Quatwa. Yeah, or but it, you know, honestly, if I'm being if I'm being legit, since we're in we're imposing a time frame that you, as a listener of podcasts, you don't have to listen to things in yeah. In, in what are we talking about? What what year are we in that I'm saying of the week? What yeah. the hell bullshit is this? You're right. Speaking of which, let's talk about Jay Leno later. Uh, what <laughs> bullshit is this? Seriously though, I do want to talk about Jay Leno later. Let's try what and remember it? that. Okay. All right, remember that. We gotta write that down. Um. Uh, but so it's question of the show. There we go. It's question of the show. So the question of the show uh, was given to us by uh, your uh, your wife Lisa Lisa Williamson last week. Yes, and it uh, was for us. Uh, what was a book and or movie that wasn't working for you until the end just blew you away. Mm. And uh, and and there you go. So we got three responses. 
Uh, here we are. Uh, one here, uh, we got, uh, oh, oh, here we go. Uh, Louise, uh, was, uh, Moon, which, uh, I believe I can say her last name. She's famous. She's a Gemini award-winning writer. She wrote for Street Sense. Do you, you remember that show? Good show. Really good show. Vice Magazine said it was the best Canadian kids show ever. And that's Vice Magazine. Eh? She currently writes for Paw Patrol, which I think is more I know, impressive. my God, right? Yeah, more impressive. Holy moly, Paw Patrol. She knows all those dogs personally. Yes. And possibly a cat. I don't know. Are there cats on Paw Patrol? I, you got me there. I don't think so, though. Okay. A, a bad cat that's always getting in the way. Okay. Um, so, uh, Louise writes, Russian Doll wasn't working for me. This is from Netflix. Mm. Russian Doll wasn't working for me for the first few episodes. I found the characters really annoying, but Ian recommended it. And I usually like time loop stories, so I stuck with it. And it really took off for me around episode, uh, for the episode at the end of episode three. It's more like a four-hour movie, the way each episode builds on the ones that have come before it. Mm-hmm. If it had come out one week at a time, I might not have watched more than the opening episode. That is very true. That was a good... Uh, show that took advantage of uh, streaming and knowing that like eh, I might just watch the next one and see see where it goes but if it was you had to remember everything yeah that would have been uh, I watched I watched it two episodes at a time over a course of a month so okay I was fine with it but that that's just me. there you go I don't like watching things too too hurriedly I feel like I'm not getting the benefit of of thinking about it this uh, this to me I thought fit that well because yeah. Certain things happen, and again, I'm not spoiling this because we got a show for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, certain things happen that are small detail things, and it's it's nice to see that. She goes on. One movie I'm pretty sure will be uh, working for me right from the beginning is this June's release yesterday. Oh, we were talked a little bit about that. That's the um, Danny that's Boyle, the Beatles esh uh, Danny Boyle thing, directed yeah. by Danny Boyle and Richard Curtis. Notting Hill. Love Actually, About Time, Struggling Musician, Hit by a Bus, Wakes Up, All the Things That Happen. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, saying she's saying don't uh, read the, don't watch the trailer, it, it blows some plot twists. Maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe those plot twists aren't the real plot twists. Ooh. You don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to say more because uh, I don't want to blow anything. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Hayden writes us as well and says, Kia Ora. Do you know what that means? K-I-A? O-R-A. I think it's like a greeting, like hello. Does it? Is so, that a greeting of hello? Sort of like saying aloha. Or oh, well then, uh, uh, ahoy hoy to you, uh, Hayden. <laughs> a movie that was okay, but wowed me at the end, was Razor Blade Smile. Have you seen this movie? No, I have not. I have not either. A trashy and sometimes cringe B-grade vampire film with an ending that makes the whole thing extremely worthwhile. and led me to creating a LARP character in homage to the themes. Things did not turn out well for them. Oh, there's a bit of a spoiler for you. <laughs> and here's the spoiler. People still LARP. Um, For books, it would be The Servants by M.M. Smith, a.k.a. Michael Marshall Smith, a.k.a. Oh, man, does this guy have student loan debts? (laughs) Michael Marshall, depending on the genre he's writing in. Ah. In this case, a YA-aimed book from the author, I didn't expect to go in that direction, uh, that felt lesser than his other works until it all comes to a wonderful end that left me in tears. Oh, wow. Wow. Good for you. (laughs) Uh, Michael Marshall Smith, a.k.a. The Dirty Smithy uh, is also, also under, known as Eminem. Is also the underappreciated author yep. uh, I was going to write in about in response to a question a few weeks ago, but never did. Uh, pick up a copy of Only Forward, and you're in for an amazing journey. I even offer a money back guarantee to you, Ian and Dave. I am certain you will like it. Very good. I am going to pay a lot for that book, and then I'm <laughs> going to tell you how much I paid, and I'm going to take you up on that money back guarantee. <laughs> 
and I'm going to split that money with the guy who I buy the book from. That's my scam. Wow. But it's in writing, so you got to do it now. <laughs> now I'll pay $100 for it. <laughs> Nigel wrote us. Oh, hi, there Nigel. Are. Uh, hello again. Hello, Nigel. Again. Uh, I didn't mean to leave you hanging with that uh, Terry Pratchett aside. Uh, the book... Uh, I brought up was going postal, despite being a number thirty-three. Holy cow! He's a, in the Discworld series. Wow, the novels aren't very serialized. I didn't it, know there was that many books, in and there. it would probably be approachable to a new reader. Okay, well that's good to know. I know when it gets like that, that to me is like manga. When I see like, oh, I'm going to read Twentieth Century Boys. How many issues? Oh my gosh, forget it, forget it. Who's got the time? <laughs> um, it's very good. But with the uh, Booker movie question we asked this week. Ex Machina. I found the movie interesting but slow. The ending was the best part. I couldn't decide whether I liked the movie overall, but it stuck with me for a long time. I decided afterwards, I'm talking me now, this is me. Uh, I did not like it, but that was again because I didn't. I don't like British bummer endings, and I felt <laughs> the British bummer ending wasn't needed, and it was just like, no, oh, we're doing that, are we? Alright, fine. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people I know loved it. I enjoyed it. There we go. Also, I'm back. But I'm against robots. Do do you find there's any difference between robots and androids? I'm against androids. How about synthesoids? How about whatever that thing in uh, Blade Runner is? Those guys are they? I'm against replicants. You against you're against replicants? Yeah. Huh? How about cyborgs? Yes. Six million dollar man, bionic woman. Well, they're bionic dog. They're okay. I like them. Are you a monster? Okay, so you're fine with cyborgs. That's where you cut it well, off. Yeah, because they, they have, they're, they're human. Deathlock. You're they're okay human. with Deathlock? <laughs> he doesn't sound like a great guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. You saw him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was fine. Deathlock. What did he, What is his powers? His powers were he's half robot. He had a robot. Uh, oh, okay. A bunch of business. Oh, okay. He was a guy who was also his gun on, um, uh, you know, Angel and uh, Buffy. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he becomes Deathlock. Mm. All right. Let's get back to Nigel. <laughs> anyway, by, by the way, so just for the record, Dave, anti-robot, yep. pro-cyborg. Now, this is really a numbers game at this point. Just like, you know, it's like if it's a robot no, no, who's like, got like a human well, no, the, hand, would that cyber- be enough? You don't know. The, the cyborgs are, are just people that have a mecha- like robotic parts attached to them. Sure. Like a robot is just a robot. Yeah. And a stranger is just a friend you haven't met who might be a robot. We'll see. A stranger is just a person who hasn't killed you yet. I, <laughs> oh, man. I'm now remembering something I really wish I brought up in our Captain Marvel show. <laughs> I think I might still be able to do it. Yep, we can we can record it. No, 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 no. I'm just going to say this one little bit because I don't think this spoils anything. Because you know that there's shapeshifters in this world, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So at one point, one of them uh, they shapeshift into a person, and glasses fall off, and they're lying on the ground. Okay. And then they pick them up and they put the glasses back on. Yeah. Is that his thumb basically lying on the ground? Because that's part of him, right? So can so you bits of you can just fall off as a shapeshifter? That's weird to me, right? No, they don't. Do they? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. Okay. Shape shifters don't really work. No, they don't. Okay, back to Nigel. Uh, also, the book Red Shirts by John uh, Scalzi was entertaining, but the three codas after the story ends, roughly a third of the book, I think, were fantastic. They focus on bit characters from the main story, but are introspective and philosophical. And the main story was, of course, a sort of Star Trek ripoff. Well, I like my Star Trek ripoffs to be called the Orville, sir. Uh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers back at you, Nigel. And thank you for writing. So those were our three responses we got. Cool. On, on cool. Well, I have a response for you. Please. Now, this response. Wait, Dave. Hmm? This isn't about cancer, is it? Yes. <laughs> I've become that person. Mm-hmm. 
this is actually related to um, TV endings, TV show endings. TV show endings, okay. But I don't think we should discount people who are late to the party. No, 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 no. Listen, the, the, listen. I don't know what things are like with your Sneaky Dragon listening party and how you run that party. <laughs> but the party that we run here, mm-hmm. 24-7, man. Show up anytime. Grab yourself some chips. We're 24-hour party people. We are. Grab yourself like a little soda pop. Yep. If you like an adult beverage, fine. Knock yourself out. I'm not having a lot of those right now. Uh, and then we're not having soda pop ourselves. But help yourself. There's Coke in the fridge. All right. Go ahead. Uh, and this is the time you wish you could remember that Happy Mondays album cover or album title. It's like 24-hour party people, yeah. Squirrel and G-Man, Can't Smile, something or other, like some weird long, long title that made no sense. Mm, I, did, uh, I did like the movie. So this is from Kanan. Hey, Kanan. And Kanan says, I didn't like the Lost Finale when I first saw it, mm-hmm. but I rewatched it the day after to enrage myself again, I guess. And I've come to believe it might be one of the best endings of a show ever because of the sheer size of its balls. <laughs> it could seriously be the end of any show because it basically just says, this is the most important story that happened to all of these characters. And now they're going to get to live their afterlife together, regardless of religion or beliefs. I mean, that's pretty strong stuff right there. A real massage circle for the writer's room. Also, it wasn't all the afterlife. Sorry. Also, it wasn't all the afterlife. The island was real. The time travel, escaping the island, it all happened. It's only the final season that had the flash sideways, which was the characters drifting through the afterlife, waking up to the realization and finding each other again. It's worth a second look. Mm-hmm. Also, disregarding season nine. Scrubs had a wonderful ending with the montage of JD and Dr. Cox's families growing together, and the two of them finally becoming equals and friends. I cried a lot from that one. My wife will tell you, it was ugly. Like, (laughs) I don't know how we ended up being married. Also, I remember Parks and Rec having that great five years later ending. Great ending in Parks and Rec. Good call there. That was both hilarious, naturally, and satisfying. Yes, and shouldn't have been. Everyone getting the happy ending is such a sitcom trope and such a hack sitcom thing Mm. and they pulled it off yeah good on them and here's one from left field okay the scooby-doo mystery inc show the one that got only two seasons to tell one long mythology as well as a monster of the week stuff i wonder if this is the patrick warburton one okay which ended on a, a cyclical nature to show the gang heading off on all the adventures that had come before the show was seriously underappreciated oh and Puss in Boots, Netflix show that ran for five seasons but ended on a real kick in the teeth, ending that nullified everything you just watched but left Puss himself in a better place. That was kind of ballsy, too. Okay. Right. Well, thanks very much, um, Kenan, for those. Puss in Boots, I believe, was written by Ben Blacker and Ben Acker, who um, used to do the Nerdist, uh, the Nerdist writers. Well, Ben, Ben, oh, was it? Oh, it's so confusing. Which is which? One of them. They're good people. Uh, writes, uh, does like the Nerdist uh, Writers Podcast. Now it's just called the Writers Podcast. But also the Nerdist Comics Podcast, which is a very good podcast. And uh, does a book for uh, Vertigo called Hex Wives. Okay. And we are mutual fans, him of Exorcisters and me of Hex Wives. That's nice. Yeah. And uh, uh, nice, nice fellow that I tried to get on our show uh, a couple of years ago at Emerald City, and it just did not end up happening. He told, he sent us a message. It was just all, it was all missed. This and oh, missed that. couldn't okay. find that and tried mm-hmm. to find these and oh, but uh, but was very, very polite about it. Yeah, Ian's being very polite, but the reason he didn't come on the show is he said, I don't want to come on. Dave's just going to talk about his cancer again. Mm-hmm. What a cancer bore. And Jonah, <laughs> Jonah Crabs. Jonah Crabs. <laughs> 
so there you go. I don't have a I don't have a question for this week. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel like I've let down the. the okay, side. I've got I've got one probably that will lead in to oh, this. Okay. So let okay. me uh, just go like yeah. Um. So uh, by the way, thank you everyone for writing to us. We really appreciate it. Yes, that would that's very nice. That's we, the whole purpose of this is so we can hear from you. Yeah, we like getting letters. Like remember again, once again, when you were a kid, wasn't it great to get a letter? Oh my gosh! Speaking about like phone calls, getting a letter was just like magic. The best. Um, no, uh, uh, Jay Leno went on, uh, like, uh, I didn't really get any letters as a kid because everyone I knew lived in the same, <laughs> same area. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, mm. the best thing was getting a letter from Zoom. I used to write to Zoom and, mm, oh, neat. I'd get that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Jay Leno went on, uh, like the Today Show and was talking about how much he does not care for, t- uh, late night comedy now and saying that, uh, you know, uh, before you didn't need to know everyone's politics, and now you you know got to know got to know uh, got to know all the politics, and you know it was all basically it used to be it's that thing which is like it used to be better back in my day, <laughs> yeah. And then of course a bunch of people you know were writing in going like, well you just made fun of the OJ trial and had the dancing Edos, and it's like that was someone who was just murdered, and you were like, fine putting out the stuff, all right, fine, and you know okay, mm. um, but uh, Donald Trump. Uh, jumped on that and uh, and said that uh, Jay and this is a tweet by him. Jay Leno points out comedy or the very boring late night shows is actually one sided. It's tough when there's only one topic. Uh, actually, the one sided hatred on 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 these shows is incredible and for me unwatchable. But remember, we are number one president. So yay! So he's uh, Jay's got. Uh, we are number one president. We are number one. A uh, little dash president. <laughs> Look, he doesn't write well he does <laughs> or not, at all he does not write uh very well um i don't think this is this is actually very very similar to me to uh terry uh, gilliam um interview he did recently where he like for, dismissed all the marvel movies as bullshit and you know and uh, said people need to grow up and, and this kind of thing and i was like oh you haven't seen them probably because i think you'd get a kick out of like a thor ragnarok i can't see him not getting a yeah. laugh or two out of something like that but you know just generally you go like this but i'm thinking like uh you know not all the not all the late night shows do do the politics like like conan's a very silly silly show that's yeah. mostly like just like odd nonsense yes. and this kind of thing. Yes. And there's lots of shows that have come about because of the success of the daily show mm-hmm. that, you know, not doesn't necessarily follow it, but have their own kind of version of that, whether it's the, the, that show, right. The last week or, um, Samantha B's show. Sorry. I can't remember the, the, the name of the guy who does that last week with. Oh yeah. It's uh John Oliver. John Oliver uh, yeah. Last week tonight, Sam B's show is full frontal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So these are all, all of them are also daily. Are, right, but those aren't really the late night shows. Like the late night shows are Conan, uh, Seth, the two Jimmys. Um, well, Jimmy Kimmel doesn't do anything very political, does he? He sometimes does. Okay. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll he'll get into it, and especially when it was to do with um, health issues, because like his uh, his his child uh, needed an operation, and you know it was very very touch and go as baby. Okay. And uh, and then the. There was a there was a politician that like but he said afterwards like no parent should have to go through you know I I got to I got to like we got to save our child because I had the money yeah. no parent should have to go through the decision of like 
should we have this operation or not? I don't know if we can afford it. Should we put the house up for it? And, you know, he, he did get on to what people would say a political thing because of a personal thing with yeah, him. Yeah. And then there was a politician who went, you know what? I'm going to make sure that we're going to push this through. I'm going to make sure that healthcare for all, we're going to, you know, this. And then it was a guy who just tried to take Obamacare away, you know, and he said, I'm never going to do this because I'm with you. And we're going to call it Jimmy's, Jimmy's rule and we're going to do this. And then when he, totally went back on it he called him on it hard okay and it became a big thing for many many nights and anytime anything kind of goes around that health thing and he he has covered other issues as well all right but and then uh jimmy fallon not at all like he's yeah. he's lip syncs and goof em ups yeah you know he makes youtube content yeah he makes youtube content he will do a joke off the top that's kind of innocuous joke about trump but it's a generic you yeah. know, kind of, you know, hits yeah. one of the stereotypes. So it's a weird thing, first of all, for Leno. To, like, it's it's weird on a couple of levels. Like, weird, it's just like sour grapes guy, once again, <laughs> coming back and just going, yeah. what's this bullshit? Shouldn't you just come and just go, they're all doing their own thing, and that's great, and I did my thing, and I had a good run, and it was great, and now I'm doing stand-up and all these other shows, and not just like... Yeah, I couldn't do it now because everyone's got to know what your politics are. Well, no, that's first of all, that's total bullshit. You you wouldn't you wouldn't. And also, it's like, hey, Johnny, cheap shot. But then the people that are doing it, yeah, like when Bill Clinton was going through the stuff with Monica Lewinsky, I bet I could like look up every one of his episodes and like find me a night that a blowjob joke didn't show up. <laughs> and it's just like the problem with like Trump is every day is a blowjob, but it's a different blowjob or some something else. Like how, if you're someone who's commenting on this kind of stuff, can you not bring up that, that, that things are on fire? Yeah. You know, like, so, so too, it seems like it, three things. First of all, don't be a jerk and like go back to the place you worked and go, it sucks now. Yeah. Or, this high school sucks. You used to rule. Whoa, I'm out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, he came back for an extra semester that he shouldn't have anyway. Um, <laughs> Two, it's not true. There's enough, you know, if you want to just see clowns, there's clowns doing lip sync stuff. It's fine. Yeah. You'll see that. They're doing wacky impressions. They don't give a shit. They're yeah. eating uh, as many eggs as they can. They're doing that bullshit if you want to see that kind of stuff. There's lots of weird eating uh, things that Jimmy uh, does, Jimmy Fallon does. Um, yep. But also, like, what's your complaint? This yeah. is this is what, like, late night people, you know, that's, that's totally fair comment for 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 comedians why why are you as a comedian telling other comedians they're doing comedy wrong <laughs> that just feels like a weird fucking thing like you wouldn't go it's into a stand-up club and just go oh i guess we're doing political jokes like <laughs> why don't you just shut up and do your fucking 10 minutes and let whoever's doing their thing and if people are laughing which clearly they are and the market will bear it mm -hmm. let them fucking do it and if it's yeah. no good then you know you're going to be the the guy who's doing the nightly show, and it's going to get canceled, and then another show will go in. What's the what's the fucking point, Leno? Thoughts? Yeah, and prayers. Well, you know, <laughs> Jay Leno is you know he can do no wrong for me. Uh, you're dressed in total in denim right now yourself, <laughs> head to totally toe, just, the Canadian yeah. tuxedo as we call it. Yeah, I I don't have his car collection, but I do have it in Matchbox cars. I have a like a facsimile of his own car collection. I have hundreds of Matchboxes in a cardboard hanger that i built that's a model model than his mm -hmm. and i regularly get dressed in my denim suit and go out and look at them and do sometimes you sneak into closets changes. and overhear on people <laughs> to eavesdrop well you know i mean well thinking about terry gilliam i can understand like the the problem for people like jay leno and terry gilliam and people like that is that what they want to do they can't do anymore because they're they're outside of they're they're not relevant in a way 
You know, like, well, Terry Gilliam wants to keep making big movies, but he can't because no one wants to pay money for big movies now unless they have some kind of, unless they have something attractive about them, unless they're like a tentpole, right. like a superhero movie, which he does, and that's why he doesn't like them because he's going to studios and he's saying, I'd like to make this movie. It costs this amount of money. And they're like, no, because we just can't put that kind of money into a not, you know, into a movie we're not sure about right. anymore. We just can't do that. Like no one's He did that. want to do Watchmen for the longest time, which is kind of an anti-superhero movie sure. to be fair. And and said it was unfilmable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the time it was unfilmable. It became to him. it became filmable over time. As a Terry Gilliam film as well, it was yeah. like unfilmable. Sure, sure. And yeah, there's just not there's just not a place for him in the market anymore. Like it's just not it just doesn't, you know, don't you think it, though there's, ter- there's no middle ground for movies like that now right but don't you think and again i know people like him and spielberg you know it's like movies are this and, and tv is this and yeah. ne'er the twain shall meet sure. you know eventually the movie will go on tv when it's done yeah it's trape around the world um but it feels to me like i can't i can't believe that there wouldn't be a netflix like uh, netflix or hulu or some 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 something some network that would just go terry gilliam of course come here brother do you want to do a movie absolutely here it is a lot of more people will see it than they will in the theater i'll tell you we'll give you all the money you want we've got infinite fucking cash yeah. and here we go did you see roma i didn't see roma but i heard it looked good um <laughs> you know but i've seen many things on, on on netflix that just were like well yeah that's movie quality or you're, you're fine you know if you're if for a terry gilliam style budget you could do the imagination imaginarium yeah. of dr parnassus you could do that on netflix yes you could absolutely here you go uh, so why not that? Like, it feels like when it's like, if is if his anger or not anger, but if his reason for dismissing these other guys yeah. is saying, you know, there's no room for for me, there's room. The, uh, well, there's not room, but he doesn't want that room. He wants to be in yeah. that other room. That's what I mean. Like, that's it's just not a place though, for him. What now. does that benefit you? Yeah, like, but that's the thing. That's what you want because that's so what you're used n- to. So you get n- you want what you're used to. Like, I can't believe that. Like Netflix, if if Terry Gilliam had just gone, I want to do my Don Quixote movie. Hey Netflix, would you like a Don Quixote movie from me with at the time Johnny Depp? Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. We would. Of course. Yeah. Do it. There we go. But no, no, no. It's got to be in theaters. Yeah, yeah. What theaters? What are you talking about? Like the multiplexes? Like it's going to be like uh, number eight. That's the movie you're going to have. Yeah. It's going to be that. Or it could be in everyone's home. They could watch it. They can see it. And and then they're like, oh, who's this guy? I love this uh, director. Oh, this Terry Gilliam. What else has he done? Oh, fuck. I got to check this stuff out. And there you go. Like I don't see what the damn problem is. You know? Well, it used to be, yes. Here's the problem. Okay. It's called pride. <laughs> so, yeah, it used to be Star yeah. Wars would knock everyone off yeah. the screens. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the blockbusters pushed everyone off. But now there seems to be a venue that's there. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not the movies. And that's, I think that's what it's about. It's about, you know, I want what I had. That's correct. You want yeah. to recreate something from the past <laughs> yeah. in a format, in a way that was of the past, but it doesn't work. And it, it, it's, you know, and then it's, you're not being a storyteller. Then you're being like a nostalgist. Like you want, yeah. you want things to just be as they were. It's like communicate it. Like everyone's TV is gorgeous. You're seeing things better than you are probably on most movie screens, to be honest, especially if it's in like a little art house theater. Huh. You'll see everything. It'll all fucking pop. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And yet. And yet here we are. It's not the same. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's just the, it's just the way it's about money, you know, money, 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 of course. It's all about money. Always about money. And that's, 
you know, and there was a time when, you know, I, and I kind of, I kind of, um, it's hard to, you know, I feel like we don't get the same kind of movies we used to get like in the nineties, let's say there's no, and not, not like action movies. I'm, I'm thinking more like that sort of like kind of low budget, um, low budget, but still like a genre film, like something like, um, oh, what's that movie called? One False Move, the one with Bill Paxton. I can't remember what it's called now, but okay. where he's like a sheriff who's waiting for this criminal to come back to town. And all right, that sounds you know about that right. Oh. It's like you know, it's it's a good movie. It's not a it doesn't have a big budget, but there's a place for it, right? There's right. theaters for it to be shown in. There's not really a place for those movies anymore. Like movies need to have a budget that's up here. You can't right. make movies down here because we want to get people to go to the theater because it has to be spectacle because we right. can do all this stuff at home now, you know. And so you know, but. At the same time, there's still movies like Hell in High Water and stuff like that that are, kind of fall into that category as a genre film mm-hmm. that's low budget. That or something like I mean, I mean, it's the obvious one, but Get Out. You know, that cost five million dollars, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, yeah, it's just, a horror movie. So yeah, there's a market I mean, for horror this. and comedy are the two are the, uh, type of films yeah. that you know can make a make money on the low budget. But like, that's just an example of like, and it was a very well done mm-hmm. uh, film. Comes out. And there you are. Yeah. And and it changes things. You know, it's like you can do it. I look at like Terry Gilliam and I go like, I, I, I watched most of Zero Theorem and it was like, well, I'm done. Like, this just, is, it's rough. It's, yeah. a, it's a rough, it's a rough watch. Mm. You know, it's last couple of movies. It's like, it's been a rough watch. Yeah. And like, that's the problem. You can only do so many of those before people go, hmm, because we don't owe you infinite movies. Yeah, yeah. And that's the sad thing. But you can experiment more on another format. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's it's like, just go over there and just, just do the damn thing. <laughs> like when you talk about that, that cowboy movie, as you say, like, uh, Lighter, what was yeah. the, uh, what was the Cohen movie that was just uh, Buster Scrubs? Yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, that, Buster Scrubs, yeah, yeah. And then that did come out, I believe, in some theaters. But, you know, it's like, there's a weird movie. There's a, there's a Cohen movie. Cohen's do weird movies. Yeah. And it did really, really well on Netflix. It's like, yeah. That's a good place to like see something weird and go, what's that about? Click. Oh, hmm. all right. Now you know who the Coens are. Yeah. And you've probably been introduced to a much more mainstream audience than than your stuff was in the past. And maybe sure. they'll go to a theater to see it or what have you. It just feels like it feels like the problems that people are presenting are more in their heads. Oh, for than, sure. Than it's, a, realistic it's a personal thing. problem. It's not an industry. I mean, I don't want to say the industry doesn't have problems. There are industry problems, but for someone like Terry Gilliam. Yeah, it's not the industry problems aren't his problems. Mm-hmm. His problems are different than the industry problems. His problems are, like you say, two bad movies. I didn't see Zero Theorem. I didn't see the Doctor Parnassus one, and that wasn't a good movie. And I mean, there were there were extenuating there some, circumstances. There some, yeah, there were some okay elements to it. There was some imagination to it, but it was it was it was it was okay, and yeah. that's fine that it's okay. But you know, you get only so many okays, yeah. and 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 there and there you are. I think with the with the Leno thing. It's a weird thing too, just complaining about late night because it almost feels like late night is a thing. And it's like late night isn't the thing that yeah. it was. Yeah, people. It's watch, not a monolith. No, people watch most of the comedy bits uh, whenever they want to. Mm-hmm. First of all, time wise, they'll DVR it and watch it whenever, yeah. or they'll just watch it on YouTube, like later or, or whatever in a streaming thing, and they'll watch it in chunks. And some people will watch it as a full, but for the most part, they watch it how they watch it. So late night is kind of done as far as that goes. They're just like <laughs> people are watching the material, yeah, uh, and they're choosing to watch the material. No one's shoving it down their throats and going like, "Ugh, it's going to be this again." Yeah, I'm going to have to click on that. No, you don't. You click on whatever the hell else. But I think what he doesn't get, if he wants like 
you know, whatever he's looking for from the old timey stuff, that's in podcasts, that's in so many other things. Mm. And if you're if you're thinking there's no room for like all the different kinds of stand up, all these Netflix specials are there. There's something for you as well. It's fine. Like to a comedian, what's the fucking problem? It's great. And they're getting paid. Everyone's getting they're getting paid right now. That's great. So it's just that it's not what you were. Yeah. And you seem to have like three other TV shows, if I'm not wrong. So what's the fucking problem? Shut up. Shut up. Don't come and, and, and go things should well, be like they were. At the same time, he's he's allowed to have an opinion. He is allowed to have an opinion, absolutely. Even if it's wrong. It, it, you, well, yeah. And you're allowed <laughs> to like respond back. Yep. With a, what's the point? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I used to love Letterman. I know so much. I love Letterman too so much. Ah, uh, so ah, uh, ah. Uh. I mean, there's an example of, of Letterman who who created his own kind of format in in Netflix. He took his yeah took this idea and went to Netflix. I have never watched them because I'm not I hasn't talked to anyone I wanted to see interviewed. But mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's a it's a good little. Uh, there's a hint of almost what it could be in the Tina Fey one. Where he's talking about, she's she's talking about uh, him not having any females writing on the staff really after Meryl Marco for yeah. the most part, and he was like, you know, I never thought that a woman would want to write on this sh- on my dog and pony show, and you know, it's the kind of thing that you know got a laugh. Uh, it sounds self deprecating. It's not. And then she calls him on. Yeah, they would have would have <laughs> wanted to, and it doesn't really get followed up on. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah. This was this is a huge thing, like in the Letterman world, you know, because yeah, he was like, you know, sleeping with all these interns and like, you know, kind of encouraging them to do writing. Whoever was like, he was sleeping with had great ideas that were going to end up on the show, mm. you know. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of like stuff like that. That's like, are you going to address any of this? Nope, it's just this like light surface thing, and it's mm. like, all right, but you know, what, and and that's and that's all well and good. But then when you get into stuff like podcasts and just go. People go deeper now, though, so this isn't quite enough. Mm. In a world of the Mark Marins, you know, it's like this isn't quite enough anymore. This isn't the edge or close to the edge. This is just, oh, this is a vanity project for you that you're doing. That's nice. You're having fun talking to Jerry Seinfeld, but we're not going to find out anything really deep or, you know, go any, yeah, that's fine, though. Yeah, but then I'm going to go to sleep. Oh, Letterman's got a beard now. It's nice. Okay. But it's just, I, I guess I just feel, I feel bad for people that don't come along for the trip when it's... You know, it's it's something that I feel like they love. If they're a musician who just won't go to whatever the next thing is in music and dismisses it, and and I know it's just a thing that you do, but it's like, oh, it's just a shame because I think like if you gave it a shot, you would there'd be just something something to it. I like that Conan's trying it now. You know, his uh, his podcast is a much deeper podcast than his mm. TV show. You know, that's his surface stuff, and then like sometimes it does bridge into a little bit of the personal stuff on 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 his uh, on his podcast. And there's another one which is Inside Conan, which is his staff talking about how the show gets made, which I'm finding really interesting because okay. it's that kind of yeah yeah you nuts know, and bolts and, nuts and bolts thing that yeah. I that I really enjoy. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you would never have gotten a thing like that on on a, on Letterman because he was so secretive. Yeah, and yeah. There was a story someone was telling about like how after he um, had a bad show, something he would sometimes do is he would get the writers to hit him. 
Letterman? Yeah. Huh? He would have a bad show and he would like, just come up. You got to just like, just hit me. Just hit me in the chest. Just hit me in the shoulder or hit me in the chest and punch me. And he wouldn't like let them leave until, until they did. Cause uh-huh. he couldn't, he couldn't abuse them, but that was his way of showing like, we did such a bad job. Someone's got to suffer and it's going to be me. It's this really <laughs> weird fucking weird. mind yeah, game. Yeah. 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 That's odd. And you want to just go, it was a bunch of jokes. Who cares? It's, you know, even if you do care, it's great to care. Yeah. But don't care after it's done. Yeah. Care about tomorrow's show. Don't care about this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the old, you know, care but don't mind. I think... Imagine if you were, like, knocking yourself out about, like, a show you did five episodes ago of this show. Oh, I do. And it was just like, oh, okay, well, then, sorry. (laughs) Well, let me hit you. (laughs) But I think it's, you know, one thing I find really fascinating, because I am not this way at all, is the way that athletes look at games, which is they don't. Once they skate off the ice or once they walk off the field, they don't think about the game anymore. I mean, they may look at game tape and get, get, you know, stripped up and down by the, by the coach who's angry that they missed this, this, uh, block or missed this, you know, uh, defensive move or whatever. But, but they, they don't dwell on, they don't dwell on it. Like successful athletes, I mean, they don't dwell in the past. They just move on because if they dwell, then that's, that's death, you know, and maybe that's why someone like, you know, people who do dwell in the past that can't escape that you know and are frustrated because they feel like what they want the past to stay mm. and they're not successful because they can't they can't escape themselves they can't escape the the last bad thing they did or whatever you know it is it's it's interesting and i but i think in the arts that we you have it's in us to do that to dwell more in our failure and to not enjoy success you know mm-hmm. like that's just part of our makeup part of what why we because it's part of what drove us out off the sports field and into our bedrooms to do whatever we do, you know. Like if you were, you know, if you were a better athlete, it's you'd, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. If it's, I could play soccer, I'd be playing soccer. Yeah, that exactly. was the thing. Yeah. yeah, that was my dad's dream for me was to play soccer. Yeah, yeah. it was a family legacy, oh, and I, sure. I stopped that cold. Yes, same with my dad in my football career. I didn't even have a football career, and that always really irked him because he played football. He even played football like when he was when I was born. He would like I can remember him going throw to you play. around. No, no, <laughs> as a football. No, I remember him going to play with his friends. Like he play in like a league. Okay. He played in a football league. Uh, when you know, when I was like eight or nine and stuff like that, he stopped, of course, as he got older. But, but um, yeah, and that was always a big, a big, big disappointment for him that I was this introverted boy who sat in his room and drew and wrote things and stuff like that. That was meaningless to him and had no, no, no value. You know, that's. That's why when when I was hearing that demon discussed that you will never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's a demon. I, I know that with. one. Yeah, I live with that demon a lot as a kid, for sure. And that's yeah, that's of course, and maybe that's why you dwell more on your failures because you'll never amount to anything. And so it's just more evidence of that fact, you know, that oh, what they told me was right. I won't amount to anything. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, I met uh, Linda Berry, and she had a. It wasn't the One Hundred uh, Demons book, but it was another one of her books, and there was all these demons that were like in the background of these drawings. Yeah, and I said to her that uh, they really creeped me out, and I said uh, because they were so casual. Mm. And uh, and I went, there's nothing more creepy than a casual demon. And she was she was really interested, like, oh, why is that? Oh, because they know you. <clears throat> And they've got time. Mm. They're just hanging around because they know they're going to be around for a long time. And yeah. it's like, I can get you anytime. You know, it's not it's not the one trying to sneak up on you because it's got one shot. This guy's like, this guy's deep. He knows everything about you and he's just there. And it's like to the point where like, yeah, I could. I could get you. I could not. Yeah. And she, she liked that. She was like, oh, yeah, casual demon. That is, that is the creepiest demon. 
I was thinking that. Um, sorry, just, just oh, want sorry. to interrupt you for you. Please. Before you interrupt me. Um, All right, but let me just interrupt you to say, please go on. Okay. <laughs> this is something that uh, our priest said actually when he was talking about demons. He said, "He said I come from a tradition where, from a church that really believed in demons. Like they were very real to us. Like uh-huh. he says, I think we drew a lot of inspiration from Milton's Paradise Lost. You know, so the idea was like if you could put on a pair of glasses that you could see demons, you would see them all over the place. You'd sure. see them everywhere. They'd be all over. They'd be doing this, doing that, being demons. He says I." I think our, our church drew a lot of inspiration from medieval art and not a lot from common sense. <laughs> I was like, wow. This is a scene that uh, I did not put into an Exorcisters, but I thought of, which is like where there was a similar thing where you put on the glasses. Mm. But then if you see like where the demons are, uh, like about 95% of them are masturbating. <laughs> no wonder that didn't go in. It's just, you know, it's just, that's yes. what they're doing. They're yeah. petty. They're just like, yeah, yeah. Eh. That's that's just what they're about. Then they get bored and go to sleep. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna say something before I, I was just gonna you. say like you know the idea of that sports thing. I, I was I was similar when you know I used to be nervous like every show and you had to beat yourself up every show, uh, especially if you did stand up because you did like once a week and it's yeah. like oh I didn't do that five minutes and you just replay it in your head. And then when I started doing theater sports, uh, we we're doing shows from Tuesday. Uh, to Saturday and Friday and Saturday it was like three shows a night. Yeah. So I was doing like nine shows a week, and you just don't have the time to, to care. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just like such a saturation point over and over again of so many shows, so many shows, so many shows. Then good show, bad show, whatever. It all it all blends blends together. You generally see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And that people, you know, if it was like all, then yes. But uh, yeah, the bad show you just go eh, or and if it's really bad, you joke about it and you're fine. But yeah, you can't. And I think that's that's. That's something I've learned about, like most of the things I do, writing wise or anything, is just do a lot of it, and like, yeah, you won't have time to baby any of it. You just keep keep it out, keep going, yeah. keep the next thing yeah. going. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, you're gonna just look back and hmm. again, I just wonder, like, what what would Jay Leno's ideal thing like? Does he just want to get the tap on the shoulder and be asked back into the game and to yeah. and to do it again? Because yeah. it can't work now. No, it just can't. Well, no, it can't. Yeah, no. No, I don't think he was very good at it anyway. No, he wasn't. I mean, he just had he just had momentum behind him. Yeah, that he was on like a flagship program that could kind of carry his what he was weak at, which was relating to humans. I think there's some was his weakness. I got like a theory about about him, and it's like this is this is the this is the part of me that makes me not like angry at him for stuff and you know you wouldn't be angry but it's just like you know taking the tonight show and that stuff i thought was like a big step in the wrong direction for things in general um but when he first came to los angeles he was homeless basically he was like literally like sleeping on the step of comedy uh the i don't know if it was a comedy store or whatever one it was yeah you know uh and and he had nothing and it was just him and i think there's that fear of like yeah it's just me if I'm not hustling, if I'm not going yeah. full blast, I'm going to die. And literally back then, he was. Yeah. But then like all the money comes and everything comes and he's still got the hole in him that says, if I'm not the thing and I'm not hustling constantly, if I'm not on it, I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah. And yeah, and, and all the cars do nothing, all the nothing, nothing. He just needed it. And when Conan took over the Tonight Show, it was like, I, I, I got to get it back. I got to be that thing. And he, and, he, and he did. And he didn't offer anything new. And it was like, but he just had to be that thing. And I just feel for the guy on that. And I don't know what he needs or what can finally do that for him. But like, oh. Probably nothing because it's so, I think it's, 
it's probably in him from from his earliest part of himself is that need to to whatever it is. You yeah, know, like, I mean, you've been all the things. You were number one. Yeah, you were like the number one comedian in the world. Mm-hmm. You were the number one uh, talk show. All the number one things. You yeah. made more money than you could ever spend, and you and you have said you were not going to spend it. Yeah. Though there's a side thing there, which is nice. Quite a bit of it goes to charity. So when he does say that, doesn't mention that, and that is a nice thing. Um, That's yeah. good. Yeah. No, so I think you just cause... keep buying toys. You just keep buying more cars because, like, what are you gonna? You know, he's because yeah. he's he used to live in his car. Yeah. So like, you know, they always say like you buy back your childhood. Um, that's the first thing you buy when you when you get money. It's like okay, so you're gonna buy yourself a nice car because that was what you wanted. Yeah. Now what are you gonna do? I don't know. Get another car? Okay. What now? I don't know. Another car? Yeah. And you're just gonna be it's I mean, cars all the way down. Okay, brother. but for him now, it's 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 become like a museum. Like it's like it has yeah. You know, he's turned it into something that's more. You know, he's turned his hobby into like a business or something. Sure. Which is weird. But I guess maybe when you're rich it. enough for it not to be hoarding, yeah, yeah you yeah. can you can have a nice big garage and then it's <laughs> fine. Rich enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. I mean, but I can see if you have an upbringing where you're poor and you you experience that kind of privation, then you're you're and going to. No one to... has faith in you, and and they didn't back yeah, then. Yeah. You're not going to make it, and then you show them, and you never t- can turn off the "I'm going to show you." Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so weird. Like, I don't really think about Jay Leno very much. Because I prefer to just remember him as a guest on the Letterman on Late Night with David yeah. Letterman, when it was just so great when he came on the show. They were it was such so a great, great team. Yeah, yeah, they were. Like that would be the thing that I think would be good is like both of them have this missing piece, and they're both like clearly not whole. Both of them. Yeah, and it's like just get back to fucking together. Like go and just <laughs> do a thing together. And it's like you know, you know, they have emotional baggage. Yeah, but you both have emotional baggage with everything. You're both nuts. Yeah. Just get back together anyway. Just do it. You're you're gonna start joking. You're yeah. gonna start laughing. Yeah. And it's gonna be fine. And if if nothing else, that sounds like that would be a bit healing and putting that, you know, that that a little bit to bed. Mm. I guess. I guess. But if you've been betrayed by someone, you'll you'll never trust them again, and that's that's really difficult. Especially if that's the drama you want to keep in your life, and mm-hmm. you want to keep that narrative. Yeah. You know. So like. But then you know, I mean, who's who's the betray- so so Letterman so Leno betrayed Letterman? Is that what you're saying there? Oh, I don't really blame Jay Leno for it because it's not Jay Leno who made the decision. Yeah, you know, like Jay Leno put himself out there as an option. Yeah, you know, which he had a right to do. I mean, no one has a right to say to someone, "Listen, I'm applying for this position." Right. I don't want anyone else. I don't want any what, other guys. The one, th- for the it. one thing was like his manager was being very threatening with people in town, saying if you do Letterman show, you can't do like when it became yeah. the talk shows. So there was like a lot of threatening and goon work that was not good. And Jay kept said he kept clean hands, but yeah. he kept clean hands while knowing what was going on. Yeah. So there's there's a bit of there's a bit of that that you know going on. Mm-hmm. But you know, but I'm just talking about the decision to not give David Letterman the late the. The Tonight right. Show. That was not Jay Leno's decision. Nope. That was the network decided. You know what? This guy's the loose cannon. That wasn't even Carson's decision. Yeah, yeah. This guy's a loose cannon. He can't uh, can't be trusted with with our with our with our flagship program. You know, we'll just keep him in. We'll keep we'll keep this kind of one two punch. We'll put a different person in, and then David Letterman. Oh, he can leave. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was a mistake. I mean, I, I'm sure if they could have seen the future, they would have not made that decision because they really did change the late night. Do you think do you think they would have been better off getting Letterman to host the Tonight Show? Yes, I do. I think Letterman proved on his program on whatever it was called, Late Night with David Letterman, yeah. that he could do it. He could do a mainstream 
show. I mean, we would have cried because we would have lost David Letterman. Right. We would have lost what we love. But we lost him anyway when he went to the Late Show. Yeah. We lost that late night with David Letterman. Yeah. That's what we really liked. Uh, and I, but I think he proved that he could be mainstream and be successful in, mm-hmm. in, as a mainstream thing. And I think, you know, having the, like I say, with, with, and weirdly, David Letterman is a better interviewer than Jay Leno was. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like he had a better connection Leno to his guests. Shit. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where Letterman was, you know, he might be kind of weird about it, but he's always very interested in his guests. So here's what I wonder about Letterman is if you had Letterman and he was the Tonight Show. Yeah. And then there was no other show that was competing with the Tonight Show. Yeah. To me, Letterman's thing is he's a rebel and he rebels against whatever the mainstream mm. is. Yeah. And he had he had the Tonight Show to rebel against. Yeah. So he was the alternatives. No yeah. matter what, even if he mainstreamed it up and was playing the mainstream thing, he was still he was still that. So if he was just the one thing, could he be the mainstream or would that have just driven him nuts? Like would he have had to have rebelled oh, well, in a way that would have just like what do you do? What do you yeah, do when you're yeah. the thing? Mm-hmm. And I don't. Yeah, I wonder about that. And, I, and you'll never, you'll never know. We'll never know, of course. Yeah. But I'm just thinking in terms of like for NBC, which up to that point owned that that sphere of of the of late, you know, of late yeah. te- late night television, having the Tonight Show, having Late Night with David Letterman. Uh, they just kind of broke the. They broke their yes their um whatever you call it, their monopoly. On, yeah. And then, it became a different thing. Then. It became a different thing. And that was their own doing. And I mean, I, I, that's what I mean. I think if they could have seen the future, they would have made a different decision. Even if Litterman had have not worked out super great, I don't think it really would have hurt them to replace him. Yeah. But I think it would have, because then he would be damaged goods and couldn't go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, what they did is they basically cast, cast him adrift and he could go anywhere. And he did. And he mounted a show that was constantly a challenge to the late night, to or to the Tonight yeah. Show, which is pretty amazing because there's no one, no one ever did it before that t- that point, you know. And he did, he successfully. And so I think, you know, and maybe, I mean, maybe just the drive to maintain that monopoly would have been enough for him to, you know, because I'm, you know, he has an ego. He has, you know, he's not coming from a place of of uh, of just being a rebel. Yeah, his rebellion is also a. You know, to prove prove himself as as good as what the, what the alternative. Yeah, is he wanted to, to be Johnny. He wanted to be that. That yeah. was his good. That yeah. was his goal. Sure. And it's uh yeah it's and they both yeah they both had something that was a lot to prove. I always wonder like uh, again we're wrap up soon, but uh, I always wonder like if it had been many years earlier and um, and Fox had not offered uh, the Late Show, the first Late Show, to uh, Joan Rivers. Because she was she was going to be the replacement, and then she replaced Johnny. Yeah, what would that have changed? Because could she have kept up that? Could she have been mainstream enough? You know, she was really the 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 interesting alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, could she have kept that up? You know, or would she have had to have alter her style and tone yeah, it down, yeah. and then just take take I don't, pull the edge? Because you can't just be insulting everybody. Mm-hmm. Her show, yeah, I don't. Would I think, America have let like a woman be like the talk show host as well? They they were, they had no problem with her being the you know the main replacement host for Johnny, but like yeah. with, could she have like hosted it herself back then? I don't think. I, yeah, I don't see that as a problem for her, but I do think that she once again she wasn't a great interviewer. Nope. She didn't. She didn't really have. I don't know. I don't. It might have been on her staff. Might have not been really good with the research or whatever. But she just didn't seem to have a good connection to her to her guests. Like she had no. There was no. Like she's a very clever person, obviously. Yeah. But I think her cleverness didn't go in. It wasn't a two-way street. It was crowd work, basically. She yeah. was doing, and she wouldn't let people uh, speak enough to uh, yeah. to do it. She would always look for the opening for the joke and go for it. Because mm. again, 
uh, speaking of people's weaknesses and strengths, you know, as a as a woman comedian, you had to always be like, oh, immediately, like, yeah. immediately, especially if you're on panel. If you don't, if you don't go for it right away, the other guy's gonna like take sure, it. So you sure. gotta like not be ladylike and just keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going as much as possible. Score, 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 which isn't exactly what you want to do as a talk show host. No, that's right. It, it's very off-putting if it's all about one-upmanship or one woman up one up womanship. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really work very well. I remember seeing um, Frank Zappa as a guest on her show, and I, I do like Frank Zappa's music a lot, but I find him kind of a pretentious person. Mm-hmm. And but she just kind of fed it in a way that was kind of disgusting, you know? Because she's like, "Oh, you're so smart." You're so clever. Oh, it's so interesting what you have to say. And it's just, but it wasn't like a conversation. It was just like compliments thrown at someone. Like, that's not a, that's not a conversation. Like you need to have a, you need to have a back and forth with a person in order to have a conversation. Like if all I did was compliment you, of course you'd love it, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't really be a very interesting. We should try that for a podcast. We should try like a podcast that's just <laughs> complimenting. It's just called other. stroking it. <laughs> Log rolling with yeah. Andy. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it is. But what would be the yeah? What would be the point of it? It's not a conversation. Then, like, you want to just have... make me feel nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about you, Ian. Oh, geez. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough affair. It's about the people out there. It's about the sneakers. That's what people we care about. That's right. That's who we do this for. Yeah, we do it for the kids. We don't do it for us. No, we, do we it don't for the do sneakers. It. That's right. <laughs> They've told us not to call them that anymore. <laughs> have they? Yeah. Said, knock it off. No, I don't Stop think so. Stop it. I don't think so at all. Uh, well, we'll see. Hey, uh, what would you like us to call you? Is sneakers still okay? Let us know. Uh, is there anything else you need to talk about before we wrap up? I thought we had a question of the week that we were going to establish. Oh, a uh, question of the week. Uh, yeah, my question my, my, my question of the week is, uh, uh, what do you watch? Do you watch any of the late night shows? Oh. That's my question is, do you watch any of those shows? What works for you? Sidebar. Uh, have things gotten too political? Is Jay correct? Mm. Is that enough of that? Don't need that at night. Wow. Thank you. Trying to sleep. Don't need this. No. Uh, yeah. Do you watch any of them? You could also say like, when you watch them, do you watch them at night? Are you a night owl like that? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So that, that is my question. Do you watch the late night shows? Have they gotten too political? I do not watch late night shows. Okay. I think I really stopped watching Late Night when uh, David Letterman left Late Night with David Letterman. Mm. I did watch a little bit of Late Night, but I never, uh, I was never like as, uh, you know, I didn't watch it to such a point that I was like sounding like David Letterman as I did when I was a teenager, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that was that was my whatever age you are that you like a show that much that, uh, you know, it means that much to you. And I don't know, there's just, I mean, I, I don't hate any of the people that are doing it, you know, but I just don't, you know, I guess... I guess my biggest problem with a lot of them, and I, don't, I haven't seen them all, obviously, mm-hmm. but my problem with like Jimmy Fallon, Conan, um, is that they don't they don't know how to interact with humans. Like, they just have a they just don't know. Like Conan always looks for an opportunity to talk about himself mm-hmm. in a conversation. So as long as he can turn that conversation around to himself, he's very right. happy with that. And Jimmy Fallon seems that he has that he's not there for mm-hmm. the he's not really there. He's just kind of. I guess maybe waiting for them to do their their karaoke thing or whatever. Their, their, they have like some set gimmick where they're going to do It seems like invitations. a party host. Yeah, and it just... And so it feels like he's sort of waiting for the yeah. the thing to, next thing to happen. He's less a conversationalist, more an MC yeah. who's got some good stunts. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Conan's improved since he changed his format, um, getting rid of the second and third guest. Okay. Just basically having the first guest and uh, getting a little more in-depth. And, and on... 
the podcast it's it's very much deeper than it is the surface while mm. still and actually the jokes get deeper and weirder and dirtier on the podcast as well that's like oh this is this is this is interesting to hear him playing around in this in this world as well okay um yeah i liked uh letter like i never liked uh letterman's late night uh no not late show uh i loved late night yeah that was just like the thing yeah it's cool uh i used to really like jay leno as a performer and then his tonight show never really did it for me uh seth myers i like the mix of stuff that he does where he does do the political but then he does the crazy silly stuff and i like how much commitment he makes to a bizarre dumb idea and will then like take 10 minutes doing this weird musical number uh, with popsicle sticks or you know just make all these video games fake video games they're just like so silly and it's like yeah i just really relate to him more than any, any of the okay. other talk shows yeah. colbert i'm i'm okay with i like a lot of his stuff but i feel it's too repetitive and gets a little dry when he but he's the best interviewer i feel okay when it's about a subject that matters like he is actually also has a strong uh sense of ethics it feels and it also him being uh, like a, a Christian enters into it in an interesting way, mm. uh, especially when all these people who are doing these awful things are claiming to be Christian. As someone who can quote scripture and yeah. and does so, uh, it's, it makes for a very interesting interview. Hmm. Yeah, so I'll take I'll take those two and Conan for silliness, and I'm interested in the. I'm glad he shortened it though. I couldn't take the full show. The Seth Meyers is interesting out yeah, because I, when I heard he was getting a show, I was kind of like, nah, a guy coming out of Saturday Night Live uh, news update. Mm-hmm. Like those guys always seem kind of snarky and kind of kind of shitty people in that format. Yeah. All all of them. I don't really just mean him. Sure. But actually, I really do like him on. Like I do watch. I have to admit, I do watch the on YouTube. I'll sometimes watch his uh, his little uh, up close or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Closer look. Closer look. Yeah. And he and he seems genuinely delighted with his guests. Like mm. he likes hearing the stories okay. and is a good laugher, like yeah. a good legit laugher, and uh, tries to bring out the best in 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 them. Yeah, and uh, and that's nice to see. But what we miss really, I think, is a, a is a host that would have a brother Theodore, <laughs> would have yes. a Harvey Picar, yeah, would have you know just have the weirdest of the weird uh, as part of the show, and that was something that was great about that. Late feels night. like that went over to Adult Swim, and that became and and like brother Theodore would like appear, and then we get his own show like over there like it was like so open to the weird yeah that it got covered especially in the states you know over there and same with comedy central there was a lot of like really weird side the problem with that the problem with like an adult swim is that it's a ghetto and you've taken that person out of the mainstream and you've just ghettoized them into this other place right what was great about late night with david letterman is that that show for for was was mainstream you know it had a cult yeah. element to it but it had a main street audience as well it had young people of all ages of all or young people of all ages had young people <laughs> of all, i like all, that young people of all ages actually is a good way of putting it let's stick but, with that okay but it had people of all walks of life yeah. you know watching that show you know you had college kids you had working class kids you had you know working class adults you had you know uh you know people who are working like uh, professional adults you know watching it yeah. and so you know, it's fun to think of those people experiencing Harvey Picar or Brother Theodore or or whatever. You know, just for the for the first time, this kind of madness. You know, and that's and the, all those shows met, lack that now. I think it's just become very generic and very um, you know, much very much controlled by Hollywood. You know, like just you know, don't. I wonder. Ins- yeah, I'm wondering. I, I think I think the Brother Theodores 
There was no place for them to be seen besides public access or yeah. a Letterman show. Yeah, those were the two places. You sure. know, you'd, 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 he'd get the weirdos. Yeah. Now the weirdo. I mean, I was saying Adult Swim, but I mean, honestly, it's YouTube. It's like Brother yeah. Theodore would have a web series mm-hmm. and would have no problem getting access to yeah, that. Yeah. So. You know, he can get millions of followers. So you don't need the mainstream, really. Well, you can or you can. I mean, you can also get lost in a lot of choices. You sure, you sure can. You, know. you sure can. But like, you know. Sometimes uh, you need someone, a kind of a tastemaker to kind of kind of highlight you. And, true. But that kind of weirdo yeah. does have a venue now that they did not have back That's then. True. But I mean, they had venues then. This, they're more limited. You know, they had off Broadway and stuff like that. Where right, they, can, they they can make a good living yes, doing that kind of stuff. But they wouldn't have a place where they could like just record a rant and mm-hmm. have like a million people see sure. it like the next day. Yeah, it's a very, it's a different it's a different beast. And then it's a rant, so you got demonetized and you get no money for it. So <laughs> you're not getting anything. You know. Some people know how to make the money. Some people know how. Speaking of which, yeah, one of those people that knows how to make the money hmm? be joining us next week. And oh, I'm not going to say who's uh, who it's going to be. Is it uh, Howard Hughes? Yes. And he'll be bringing his jars of urine with him. <laughs> Great. And by the way, we'll be raffling them off at the end. So, oh right, that's right. Give me a P. Do, Give me another P. Can employees of the company also be involved in the raffle? Give me one more P. No, but you can fill this jar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to this. And I do have to fill a jar. Very good. Uh, so yeah, let us know. Uh, do you watch late night television, uh, comedy shows? Do you think they've gotten too political? What are your What are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Please go to SneakyDragon.com and go to our message boards underneath this episode. Uh, you can also go on the email at SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com, SneakyD at SneakyDragon.com. Uh, sneaky underscore Dragon is on Twitter, and SneakyDragon.tumblr.com is on Tumblr. That's, of course, where it would be. Quickly, the Sparks, our book, Dave colored it, I wrote it, Nina Matsumoto uh, drew it. It's about two cats dress up as a dog, they save the world. That is available not just in English now in, in your stores, but I went to my local bookstore. Yep. By God, it's in French. Wow. It's called Zap. And I'll be giving Dave a copy of that after this. Oh, nice. um, so please pick that up. Also, uh, my comic book, Exorcisters, is still available in comic book shops. Uh, please pick that up if you would be so kind. And uh, I think that's about it. I've been Ian. I've been David. Uh, it's, it's late now. Go watch some late night television. Bye. Bye.